Greetings, pop culture junkies, and welcome to our Monday night party, where we'll be hanging out with some of our rowdy friends to bring you the most current, exciting topics floating around in the zeitgeist. Welcome to Raw Rant, where the truth may not set you free, but at the very least, it will open your eyes and hopefully entertain the hell out of you. Welcome to welcome to the show. I'm your host, Shane Montgomery. And with me, as always, on the boards is my brother from a literal other mother, Brian Montgomery. Say hi, Brian. Hey, everybody. My name is Brian. <laughs> and joining us tonight on Raw Rant is multimedia superstar, John Campia, show color personality, master of his own media empire called the Burr Network, and longtime Star Trek expert, the Viceroy of Verisimilitude, Robert Meyer Burnett. Thank you. Thank you. It's great. always great to be here, you guys. Nice. And you're the only people in the wilderness that knew what I knew. <laughs> and, that's, and we're going to talk about that. I'm looking forward to it. skin is so nice. Also joining us is a former network executive who finally said enough is enough and took his rants from theater lobbies to the annals of YouTube, where his rants have been received in epic proportions. Let's hear it for the man who's never met a punch he wanted to pull. Call me Chato, Paul Chato. Thank you. I've been spending a lot of time with YouTube's annals. Yes. <laughs> we, need a, we need a clap. That's the way, I, the way I swing. Awesome. Yeah. And in the red corner, wearing purple boxers and a Seth Trek t-shirt, the Mocklin master of disaster, the Orville evangelist, and one hell of a funny nice guy. Give him all your money. JP, egotastic fun time. Yeah. Now I wish I wore that shirt. I should have worn my Seth Trek shirt. At least I wore a thinking? shirt, though. You got to give me that. Right, right. His parents got so tired of hearing him complain about what a poor job Mattel was doing, about making his beloved Hot Wheels, that they changed his name to Salty. Representing the gang over at the Salty Nerd Podcast, the po podcast, the pride of Las Vegas, Alex Salty Almany. What's up, everybody? Thank you guys so much for having me. I feel like a little minnow in a very big lake. These are some heavy hitting names. I do not belong here. Thank you, you all for having me. You belong here, my brother. Sure you and, do. And last but not least, a friend to I gotta land on someone on the way down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I noticed they swapped our places. <laughs> and last but not least, a friend to everyone in the community, our self-proclaimed brown representation, who has no problem building a wall as long as he gets paid for it. The lover of guacamole with a heart made of spare pots, spare parts being sold with the chiclets at the Tijuana border. Mexican Iron Man. Woo! I love that intro. Thanks for thanks for so much for having Having me, a huge fan of all these channels, as each of you know, um, it is my honor to be here. Uh, it's been a been a blast to be a fan of all these channels, and I have to say, I am where, happen to be wearing my something. Oh, wow, nice, nice, just by nice. chance. So uh, right, I'm right next to my something nerd uh, uh, fanboy brother. So I'm your fanboy, Alex. I appreciate that. I love you too, buddy. Representing. So everybody's doing good tonight. Had a great weekend. Enjoyed Super Bowl. Oh yeah. Enjoyed the commercials. <laughs> yeah, I saw a couple of the commercials. Thanks I don't even know who YouTube. won. I just, I just, I stayed until I saw the flash trailer, and then I left. <laughs> that yeah. sounds about right. Well, we have a full show ahead of us tonight, guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, let's see. We've got uh, all the great people here in the chat. Thank you, all the regulars from the Thursday show, and some new faces too. I know people are going to be piling in as they figure out what the hell are these guys doing a Monday show now. They never have done that before. Um, we have some exciting topics tonight, including a special look at Picard season three. Who loves it? Who hates it? And what does it mean for the future? Is the world is the world under alien attack or is it just China messing with our heads? The flash trailer is finally out. 
But is that good or a bad thing for DC? And finally, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania hits theaters this week. Will it be a return to the domination for Marvel or will it just suck, be a win? Suck, suck, suck. <laughs> for our first topic tonight, uh, it's not shocking news that legacy Star Trek fans have been disappointed with the Star Trek since the first season of Star Trek Discovery back in 2017. This includes two disappointing seasons of Star Trek Picard. Some of the panel members here have had the opportunity to see the full season of the show, as well as some other notable YouTubers like Dave Cullen, and they are reporting it as a return to Berman era Star Trek. Dave Cullen, Robert Meyer Burnett, and Brian and I gave it a standing ovation at the conclusion, but many fans are saying it is too little too late. And a small select group of YouTubers, uh, including someone who will go unnamed since Mexican Iron Man is a good friend, along with his loyal following, won't be happy until Star Trek is burned to the ground. Robert, can you explain what it is all these disillusioned Star Trek fans are thinking who believe the only solution to saving Star Trek is to fire Secret Hideout and Alex Kurtzman at all costs. Well, I've been saying since 2009, I call it the Great Star Trek Hostage Crisis. We're into year 14 now. Um, it is, and I still feel that way. I, I um, you know, I, I have a very vociferous dislike of, I'll, I'll tell you, I think I should explain something. So, when I read, I I read the original thirteen outlines for all the first season of Discovery and the original two scripts. The first script was written by Brian Fuller. The second script was written by Nicholas Meyer, and this was the show that was getting made. There was no micellular network. That was all terra. It was all for terraforming. There was the the tardigrade character was actually worked in engineering, and it was an, an alien called Ephraim, and he was part of the engineering crew. And this was. It was very interesting. And of course, this was when Brian Fuller was was uh, completely in control of it. And then basically the way it was explained to me is um, they thought that Star Trek could be made for a million dollars an episode. And what was not understood is that Star Trek has a very large upfront cost, more than is associated with most programs because everything has to be built. You have to build the sets. You have to make the costumes. Um, the special effects. And what you do is you amortize all of those costs across uh, the 13 episodes. It, it later became 15, but the 13 episodes of the first season. But you have to absorb those costs up front. And for instance, if you in, during the era of Rick Berman's reign, he, Rick Berman produced 25 seasons of Star Trek over 18 years. He never went over budget. And he understood how to produce uh, a show. And when they wanted to spend more money on something like Best of Both Worlds, they would budget for that and they would do bottle episodes to save money uh, accordingly. Now, one of the things I have to say that is brilliant, first of all, from a producing standpoint, from uh, what Terry Metalis did, essentially, and don't freak out when I say this, people, <laughs> Star Trek Picard season three is essentially a bottle season. Mm. Now, what do I mean by that? Much of it is set on starships, in space, on their standing sets. They're not going to planets. They're not going to locations. They're not going out and shooting on location, which in my mind is a brilliant way to approach a season uh, wanting to save money for things that matter to you, such as special effects. So there is definitely, uh, there's a very Tom Clancy-esque feel to this season. Uh, Terry is a huge fan of things like Hunt for Red October, as I've learned as I've gotten to know him. 
and there's a large sprawling um um saga that's being 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 told here and what i love about it is from its conception it's very tightly written and plotted and and at its core like all great star trek it's about the characters and the characterization and and the story that's being told and they really knew exactly what story they were telling as opposed to feeling willy-nilly like star trek or picard seasons one and two I mean, they never really the, the way synths, for instance, were treated in Picard season one. I'm like, what show am I watching? This is not right. Star Trek, and and why are all there's a massive failure of imagination and science fiction in Picard seasons one and two. Why would all synths be humanoid? Why wouldn't you build a synth that say a hundred feet across and its job is to build starships? You know, instead we see these little. Why aren't there all different kinds of synths? Why does every synth that's have to look humanoid? Why are there no Andorian synths? <laughs> you know why? Why? I mean, it's it, none of that made much <laughs> sense. I mean, if you were going to have synthetic organisms and they were going to serve on various crews, you would have synths designed to more like if you had the Intrepid from, for instance, the Immunity Syndrome that was a, a Constitution class ship with all Vulcans. Wouldn't you have Vulcan looking synths? I mean, or not? Maybe not. I don't know. But um, the thing about Picard season three is it's incredibly well-written, and it relies on the character interplay, which is what Star Trek was always best at. And you'll see that immediately in the first episode, the way Riker and Picard treat one another. They're having a breezy, they have a breezy, fun camaraderie that's, that's immediately new to modern Star Trek. And that's, that's, that's what I, I loved about it. And it's something I think has been missing from Star Trek since... 2009 like i haven't my problem is i can't suspend my disbelief Mm. i can't suspend my disbelief in discovery why are all the sets so large you were on a we're on a ship that's in space with a limited volume where every bit of that ship would be used for something and these gigantic expansive sets are, don't make sense to me. Oh no, no, they're being resold as condos after the show's done. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, and it's it's I I and when you see the turbo lifts, you know these 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 roller coaster cars that are going through all of this empty space. Where is this empty space? In what in literally what universe are you? And it shows a massive failure. That I have I have shelves of Star Trek reference material, and it's like guys. One glance at one of those books would help you fix most of the problems that you have watching the show. And another reason is that the people that are writing modern Star Trek are, they're generic. They come from the last, I mean, not the last of us, uh, this is us, or they come from a relationship drama. And any of the dialogue that you see in Discovery could be plug and played into any show. It's not necessarily about Star Trek. And the people that are writing these, these shows have no sense of what is speculative fiction supposed to be. What is the story that we're telling? And none of the science, none of the technology bears, it doesn't bear any relationship to real science. I think you, you're nailing it on all these points. There's so, and there, you know, there's so much to go into it. I wanted to ask Paul really quick. So I think we'd all agree the fans have a right to be skeptical about Star Trek Picard season three, considering what we've gotten before. So what do you have to say about the fans who are skeptical, Paul? Should, uh, if it's good, should they wait to see it for themselves? Or what do you think? Well, I- I tend to look thing, at things as a network executive with a network executive hat on. And uh, I didn't see seasons one and two, uh, but 
it's amazing uh, a property with such still such a strong brand maybe it's damaged but it's still strong that if the show out of the gate is good a lot of people will forgive as my theory that makes sense um we've come a long ways how do you feel mexican iron man you have an inside track on you're friends with people who like it. You're friends with people who who aren't going to like it no matter what. What's your take on on Picard season three and Star Trek as a whole coming up to this point? Well, I have a pragmatic, uh, I, I have real world experience with production, accounting and Hollywood and how studios run and how dysfunctional TV and movie productions can be. Um, and so I'm very, be, I'm being very pragmatic about this. I'm under no illusions that whether everyone loves it or hates it. I don't know if that's going to make a doggone bit of difference in terms of the future Trek we're going to get. I've seen every single episode of every offering of Modern Trek. Uh, not many people can say that. Many people jumped the boat on Discovery early on in Discovery. I've seen all of it. Many people jumped the, jumped the boat uh, in Picard season one after they got one or two bad episodes. I didn't. I kept going as well as all the other series. Uh, so I've seen all the good. Well, there isn't much good. Uh, with with little with, with little few rays of light, and uh, mostly misery, and it's been a miserable experience. <laughs> uh, Star Trek, you know, William Shatner is my TV dad. Well, KTVU San Francisco. The, I, yeah. I I was raised by a single mom, latchkey who worked double shifts five days out of the week, and uh, <clears throat> okay, yep. so, like this is this is on my desk. Right? This is my little coin, my little coin bank. Yes, but uh, so. You know, Trek has burned to the ground for me in the modern era. But I'm Schechner, very Schechner came over and breastfed you, right? Well, almost yes. to the TV screen. I mean, I literally said to myself as a kid, you know, you're kidding, but not, 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 not by much. I mean, literally, when I was watching these reruns, I said I wanted to be him. I wanted to grow up. I wanted to be brave. I wanted to be a problem solver. I wanted to be courageous in the face of adversity. And I said, someday, I want to grow up and be like him now. Some would argue that uh, maybe his womanizing ways rubbed off on me a little bit too much, but that's okay. I'll take that. I'll take it. Uh, going back to R&B's point earlier, uh, it was a, it's a tough pill to, to, give, to give Modern Trek a chance. However, I'm very pragmatic about things, uh, and, uh, and I'm very fair about things, and I, I, I'm an optimistic person by nature. I have the dubious probably reputation of the fact that I'm probably more fans and get along with more YouTubers who do and don't get along than anybody. OK, and that's because I, I literally go into everything with a positive outlook. And that's how I'm going to go into this, uh, regardless of the past and being burned. And, you know, maybe I feel like I'm in an abusive relationship and I do. But but I've got to understand that Paramount is a dysfunctional place. Star Trek has been managed in a dysfunctional way. And uh, I'm going to put this thing. I'm a very being very pragmatic about this and I'm going to watch it for what it is. I probably uh, unbeknownst to many known to few is that I actually know almost all of the major plot lines of what's going to happen. So, you know, so I, I can't not, I can't not be interested in. And so I am going to watch it and I'm going to be fair and I'm going in bushy tailed and, 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 but I also am very pragmatic in the sense that if it's great and it's amazing, I don't expect to get anything great or amazing after this because I don't believe Paramount executives would make the right decision anyways with the right people. I just right. don't. I just don't. Uh, but on the flip side, if I don't like it, I'll be honest about it. And so I'm just going to I'm going to be very fair. I'm going to go in bushy tailed like a little bunny rabbit. And uh, I'm going to uh, um, it, it's the way I go into everything. Good God. I went a she hulk that way for God's sake. Right. So. Yeah. Same here. Excellent. Hey, Ryan, you want to grab that super chat? Yeah, we got a quick mm -hmm. super chat here. 
uh, from Rebecca Spade. Awesome panel. I love all of you. Question for RMB and the podcast bros. Bad timing for RMB to drop. How much of the trailer was misdirection? Because it seems like fan service, and I feel like my hype might be misplaced again. Referring to Picard season three podcast, uh, uh, final uh, season. Do you want to answer that? Shane? I mean, I can answer it. Um, most trailers. Oh, and good, good things. Robert's back, but I'll let him. Uh, it, clearly, that was paramount. I'll let him. <laughs> I'll let him tell you in a second. But most most trailers have a little bit of misleading to them because they have to be like action packed. I gotta tell you. Uh, I mean, we've said it before. The only thing misleading I can see is from that first trailer when, when like, everyone took the pacifism, the pacifism wharf thing as a, as a, as I more than never got that. that. I was like, he's got a sword on his back. Yeah, it, yeah, first it was, it was a gag. Script. It was clearly a gag. Yeah, he has a sword. <laughs> yeah, so like people call that mystery. You know, is it misdirection? I don't. I mean, it was a gag. Sometimes uh, trailers have fun stuff, and I don't think it's misdirection. Um, this question is also for you, Rob. Well, I think I actually I think that they should have done, you know, it's a trailers. There's a it's there's a tone to certain trailers and clearly like when they they did the trailer for the AFC championship game, they were trying to appeal to that audience, which was, you know, all action and adventure. And when you even when you see because, you know, I've worked in doing I've worked doing network promos before and, and they have. They have the the titles of the trailers. Sometimes the it'll it the, they should have made an emotional trailer where they dealt only in character moments and conversation between characters. Because there's there's one thing that Picard season three has in abundance, and that is some great conversations between characters. Right, really great stuff. Oh yeah. And the problem is a lot of that would be spoilerific, so I can understand them not doing it but but it's funny i mean i think that the trailers served as showing that the 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 season is action-packed but there's a lot more philosophy (laughs) and there's a lot more character development and there's a lot more thematic there are various themes that are running through the lives of various characters that uh do really good there's point counterpoint going on for instance, between Picard and and between Riker, um, and and these things, and, and and what we leave behind for, well, the next generation, and what that means, and there's that's why I say it's hard to explain to people without one. We can't, no one's seen it, so yeah. I wouldn't want to give anything away. But there's a lot more to chew on from an intellectual story and character standpoint than those trailers stated. You, as a matter of fact, I would say in a way this, the trailers did a disservice in terms of just how much there is to really mull over in these seasons. And I think that was the, that's the thing that is most surprising about Picard season three is how, um, well, how emotional and, and absorbing from a character standpoint it really is. More so than Picard's one and two were put together. Well, you know, I think you said it best, Rob, when you said early on when the trailers first started coming out, hey, look, this is two minutes of a 10-hour movie. So, you know, right. the, the trailer is such a small snippet of what, what's actually coming that, you know, you can't base the entire your, – your belief on whether it's going to be good or not based on what you saw. And so to some degree, I would just say that it's – the trailer is barely even a wedding of the whistle. It's it's it barely yeah. touches on the right. beautiful elegance that Picard season three is. And listen, you know, we've said 
you know, Star Trek has not been good, guys. It's not been good. No, it's been rough. So it's been a tough, tough road. But JP, let me ask you a question because yeah. the Orville Evangelist, everybody escaped to the Orville when it first came out, when Trek was like, eh, I'm not digging this Discovery stuff. I'm going to go over to the Orville because now that's real Star Trek. How have you seen, because you're familiar with <clears throat> both franchises very deeply, how would you mm-hmm. compare um, you know, that movement to the Orville and now that the Orville's gone, <clears throat> possibly coming back to a good Picard season three? Well, at the time when that happened, because I've been paying attention to the audience of both franchises for the last five years, every day, nonstop, just watching, just observing, uh, doing that Q thing where he's just judging everybody. Judging. Um, <laughs> I like judging. Um, I remember that very distinctly. I mean, the Orville came out. I just on a whim said, hey, I, I didn't even hear about the Orville. I just thought that there was a show called the Orville. I checked checked it out. I'm like, oh, this is giving me some Star Trek vibes. And then a week or two later, Discovery came out, which, of course, I knew was coming, but also I didn't pay too much attention. I just knew everybody was bitching about the ship. And um, I I remember uh, a lot of people came. I I reviewed Discovery as well. I actually took a while with Discovery because I did watch, like, the first episode, was not feeling it. (laughs) And then once the entire series was done – uh, then I went and watched the whole that whole first season, yeah. and I just I remember doing a video about it. I got really depressed watching the whole thing, like a binge watch. Um, but I always promised and, and uh, that I would never judge an episode on what happened in the last episode. I would take it fresh and new each time. Uh, they just never really, you know. <laughs> gave me a fresh breath of air yeah. in that first season. We tried um, every episode to be optimistic. Every episode. Yeah. When I do that with every season of every Star Trek that I watch, so um, of the new stuff. So I find stuff that I like. I find stuff that I don't like. Um, I never harp on the stuff that I don't like because that conversation is going on everywhere all over the Internet. Um, I'll I'll try to find things that I like. I found some things that I liked in season two discovery. I think I liked full liked two episodes, both directed by Jonathan Frakes in that season. But even those two episodes, I'm like, oh, I still would have done this or that. Uh, season three actually ended up, I just like, F it, I'm going to go with it. If the story gets me, I'm going to go with it. So I enjoyed season three, but it didn't excite me enough to actually watch season four. So I haven't seen it. But the audiences, yeah, they came over to the Orville. And so <laughs> for a while, though, it was a little rough because I was trying to do a little positive. We're going to have fun as a fandom type of thing with this right. new sci-fi show. So you get a lot of people that would come over and say, I really like the Orville. And then go off on a huge tangent on discovery. I'm like, oh, we're not here. But after, you know, we're not here for that. We're trying to enjoy this thing, not talk about that thing. Um, but after a few months, people started to get it. Like, oh, we're going to go to a happy place and talk about sci-fi that we like. And so that kind of just faded away a little bit over the years. It still pops up every once in a while. And I'll, I'll, I'll allow it to stay in the comments section if it's truly a critical you know, something they thought about, but if it's just to hate on somebody, if it's just vomit for no reason, just vomit. I ban them from the channel. <laughs> they don't even know it. I, nobody even knows. I'm just like, get out of my house. We're here to yeah, have a good yeah. time. Uh, but I'm looking forward to, to Picard season three quite a bit. I enjoyed, I, I did not go into the first two seasons of Picard looking for a star Trek. I, I heard mm-hmm. it was going to be character driven. So I was like, I want to go in and get into the heads of these characters and so those uh, first two Picard seasons, I enjoyed it for that. But the adventures they were having, I didn't really care about the adventures. Um, 
I don't even remember really what was happening. I don't remember the stories. I just remember some <laughs> character moments. Right. Alex. You know, something I want to say to you guys, too, and I wanted to sort of stress this. You know, I brought up the fact that Terry likes Hunt for Red October and Crimson Tide. Star Trek always had a military bent to it. Mm. You know, the idea that the United Federation of Planets, uh, I mean, the first season of Star Trek, there was UNESPA, the, there was the mm. United Earth Space Probe Agency, there was Starfleet Command, then the Federation really came in in the second season. And how all those bodies worked together was always kind of nebulous in the original series. But there was always that sense, I mean, the military adventure is a genre unto itself. Mm -hmm. You know, if you go back to the submarine movies of like Run Silent, Run Deep, or, you know, you talk about movies like Hunt for Red October, which is a global, globe-spanning, um, multi-point-of-view nautical adventure. What I really love about, and I've missed this about Star Trek, and, and even in Discovery and, uh, Discovery and uh, Strange New Worlds, I don't get the sense that these people ever were part of a military. Right. They're just on a generic spaceship. They, I don't even think that the – I don't get a sense that the bridge crew on Discovery knows what the chain of command is. <laughs> and no. and I, I really don't feel that any of them went through Starfleet Academy. They all think None Michael's of the feel, captain, apparently. Well, it, it makes sense, right, and, Rob? And, 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 uh, well, it's just one of the great things uh, that Terry Metalis loves Hunt for Red October. I remember – uh, uh, he told me that once. I'm like, oh, okay, I, I I see that because one of the great things about Hunt for Red October is when you're when you have the military, you as a viewer understand all the stuff that comes along with that. That there is a chain of command, that there are different sections. There's an engineering section, and there's the bridge, and there's weapons, and you understand all of that. And what he brought back to this season was a sense of. Uh, dare I say it, nautical, but space nautical mm -hmm. adventure. Enterprise. And and yeah, and it, it harks back to like episodes like Balance of Terror, right. you know, from yep. the original series. And of course the battle from the end of Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan and the Mutara Nebula when Spock says his pattern indicates two-dimensional thinking. And a lot of the time when you're watching modern science fiction, especially space battles, we call it the space lake. Where, where it's like everyone's on the same plane. And space is the XYZ axis. You know, it's, it's, it's not a plane. Right. But it's hard. But even with these capital ships, the Reliant and the Enterprise fighting, it's almost as if they're like on the water. And I understand why they lean into those sort of things. But Terry brought back that nautical feel. You feel that these people are part of a, a pseudo-military Right. That there is a chain of command, there is discipline, these ships are large, they have many different crew members on them, and it feels like Star Trek. Well, the, the, and, and you notice when you get on, when you first get on in the, I guess I can talk about the first episode because it's reviewed, no spoilers, but they go onto a starship. You know, Picard and, and and Riker go onto a starship, and when they when they get on, this is one of the brilliant things. Like Terry, when you first go onto the Titan, you've seen it in the trailers. There's the whistle from Star Trek Two. Yeah. You know, do you? And I, I'm like, okay, we're in the hands of somebody that cared, that not only cares, went back and mined all of Star I, Trek. I, I, I think they didn't the, just read a cursory memory alpha. I, I think apart uh, from not liking straight men who are heroic. New, New Trek also uh, uh, hates military, anything that sounds like military. Yet, ironically, the only way a vessel like that would work 
is with a proper chain of command without the <laughs> person true. on the helm being snarky back right to the captain i well, mean i would have person in out of tossed the person into the brig there's right. a phenomenal episode on uh on the next gen where uh i think it's uh is it uh uh uh, data, data and Worf, and Data dressing Worf down. Yep, it is so well scripted. And Data's in command correct. of the Enterprise, right? And Worf correct. questions his command and on correct. the bridge, and, drag, and, so takes and him drags him off to have a chat with him. And you would never get a chat like that on New Trek because it would hurt <laughs> someone's feelings. Well, you know right. why that happened? There's a really... There's and, an and let, me, let, me, let me continue. The other thing that they've mm. lost, and I did this in a video, they it's something I call gear porn. <laughs> and the original Star Trek had the phaser. And like they were important. The phasers, the communicators, mm. they actually did close-ups of them when they used them. They mm. don't do close-ups of the gear porn in New Trek because they don't give a shit about their tools and how cool they are. And for God damn, I mean, they were all cool for me. I've got tricorders. I've got, you know, shit around the house. And that was completely lost. These are subtle things, but if you add them all up, you realize that people have no joy for sci-fi and what makes it fun and interesting. Right. The, the, the reason why this happened, and you're 100 percent right, Paul, because so when Brian Fuller and, you know, Robert, Robert knows Brian Fuller pretty well. But when Brian Fuller first you know was able to come into this and kind of take it over, you got to remember, Brian Fuller was a guy who, you know, he was a writer on Voyager. Um, he really wanted to be on DS9. And one thing that Brian Fuller always thought was he, he kind of made Star Trek political. So uh, he thought the conservatives really like the military aspect of Star Trek, and he thought liberals like the we all get along together diverse portion of it. So when Brian Fuller took it over, is there really any surprise that this went away from the military aspect of Star Trek and more towards the more liberal, hey, let's all get along and just, you know, have fun on a starship? What do you barbecue in my 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 condo? <laughs> Paul, Paul, I wanted to point out something. The, the example that you gave when Data dresses Worf down at the end of that sequence, Data makes his point beautifully done but Worf says and I'm paraphrasing to the extent of you know I'm sorry I've ruined our friendship and mm -hmm. it's Data who says you have not you've not ruined our friendship we are friends and it's it's people Worf understood what he did was wrong they had a conversation about it Worf was afraid that their friendship was in the balance and Data assured him it was not and they went back to work. Yep. Yep. Yeah. One of the things that I really struggled with uh, Star Trek Discovery was just the bridge crew themselves. They didn't seem like a cohesive team. And I, I wasn't yep. interested in them because I didn't even know their names half the time. And I think in, it was in season one, I think they killed off one of the main bridge crew. And I'm like, I didn't care about that episode because I had no idea who she was. She had never been part of a cohesive team on the bridge like you would see in Next Generation or in the OG Star Trek. Like it just, they're never together as a team on site working on problems there's always burnham going off and doing her own thing and like yelling at other people and uh that really struggled but i wanted to mention something that was brought up earlier was about the fan reaction like we've been burned too many times now there's nothing you can do to redeem yourself it's a very 
understandable way to think about things. I see it happen in Star Star Wars fandom and everything like that. But in my opinion, if you're going to make a bunch of noise online, if you're a voice in the online community about how much you hate something, when you're looking at these people who are producing it and they do something right, you have to equally make as much noise about the things that you love because otherwise Amen, they have brother. they have no way of knowing which way to point their compass. Like, oh, the fans really enjoyed this. Let's stay away from this other stuff. If you just X them out completely, you're not going to get anywhere. Well, there, there's an entire industry around hate tubing. That's so true. That's yeah. I don't want to get into that. Uh, but no, you're, no, it's, just, you're, it's just yeah it's just my opinion i don't want right. to get into it either i just wanted to say like as a content creator and as somebody who talks about this stuff if, if there's a franchise that i feel like has been mistreated when they do something right i feel like it's my responsibility to say that is what we want yeah sure yeah, i totally agree mike well, what did i tell you when we went to lunch i said we got to be just as passionate about stuff we like than stuff we love so if we like we live we hate something we're passionate well we got to be mm-hmm. just as passionate when we love something because how else do you teach these people what you want? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. exactly. I, I think two months ago I put out, uh, and, and this goes back, and it's a whole conversation, like you said, but the, the click haters and the click baiters and all that, is I, I said two months ago, I put it out there, that if Star Trek Card Season 3 is amazing, people are going to try to figure out something to hate about it because it makes money. And I, and I said that... Um, um, they're going to say it's too little, too late. Mm. Yeah. But, well, well, but you know, anyone well, that's I mean, I saying good with, stuff about it, you know, they're not trying to get your your, your click because you I can't mean, get your a, click. A, a, recently, this just happened. I really enjoyed Andor, and I was like almost I was couldn't find anybody to talk to about it. And as you all know, I'm uh, Midnight Sage, Midnight Sage after dark guy. None, no one on the. All, I think there was only one other person on the entire crew of what is that? We're eight people, nine people that are in regular rotation. Um. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you, you know, as nerds, we're always going to find something we don't like. That was the beauty of nerddom for all of us. Being whether we call ourselves <laughs> geeks or nerds, the beauty is it's like, oh yeah, but they didn't get this dooby dooby dobby dooby doo right and dooby dooby da right. And a lot of that is the enjoyment uh, the of, uh, of finding those little those little reverse nooks and crannies that aren't like the yummy. I would, I would, I would, I would say someone who is uh, clear thinking, even if they didn't like Andor. They can. They could very easily see why someone would. It's not an mm-hmm. insult to like yeah. Andor. Well, but However, she Hulk. That unless, I'm unless sorry. Someone, unless people you can't are like She Hulk. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. that, that, I agree. But least. unless unless someone's open to seeing it, to seeing it, you know. No, you know, no. Th- listen, there's nothing to I, talk I've about. Been, I've been giving good reviews to The Last of Us, and I'm getting pillared from people because <laughs> oh, wait till uh, they start doing what's on disc the the, the second game. The second, yeah, I, yeah. I don't care about the second game. I'm watching the shows. <laughs> show at a time and yeah. i really well, I do have a question it. for those of you that have seen already seen this though and uh, maybe it's a question it's a question that's burning and i and other people have asked me and i don't know how to answer it so i'm going to ask the people that would know which is that when so when we look back at season three of picard are and we're looking at this season is this something that's really an- anatomically connected to one and two or is this something that stands on its own and really has more of its genetic tv dna to more next gen and all of the series and the movies that came before it. the latter it 100 stands on stands i think on that's yeah. an important point that we you don't have to, to start, watch seasons one and two i think we need to start no. talking about that in the in the public sphere a lot more yeah well i i also wanted to because uh, i keep getting a lot of people say that oh we're, we're not going to stop fighting until kurtzman doesn't control the franchise anymore but i i would offer an alternative viewpoint to that the fact that there is a company like secret hideout that has now produced discovery 
Strange New Worlds, Picard, uh, Lower Decks, and Prodigy, and now Picard Season 3, the fact that there's a company that's making Star Trek is in itself a victory. That's true. Now, let's, let's, let's take out, you might not like what they've produced, but when somebody comes along like a Terry Metalis, like, look, he's got better things to do. If you've watched... 12 Monkeys. It's an incredible show. I mean, if you like time travel and you were a fan of the original film, the four seasons of 12 Monkeys is a very well-constructed, very well-thought-through science fiction television show. So when a guy like Terry Metalis is given the reins, like, look, to be fair, Alex Kurtzman went off and directed his sequel to The Man Who Fell to Earth, and then you had Akiva Goldsman went to go do Strange New Worlds. There was a void... And who was going to then, and Michael Chabon left, who was going to produce Star Trek Picard season three? So Terry Metalis, an already experienced showrunner, a man who's written on a number of shows over the last two decades and, and worked his way up from being a, a, a post-production intern at, on Deep Space Nine, was given an opportunity. He ran with it. And, and he brought in, he basically fired all the actors from Star Trek Picard seasons one and two that he could <laughs> Took the people he needed. He brought in a new composer that he'd work with. He brought in a new cinematographer, new effects people. He really made it his own. And while, yes, Secret Hideout still controls the franchise, they gave the franchise to a man like Terry Metalis to do with what he wanted. Hands off, 100%. And and they were hands off. and, And when you see the show, there are things in it that I couldn't believe that he got away with that yeah. i don't think anybody fans will know yeah same but the the general population the people at secret hideout i'm sure if they watch the episodes wouldn't even notice but fans are going to notice the real hardcore <laughs> fans the guys over at like trek yards they're going to be like oh my god oh and trek yards and, guys and are going to lose it they they're, they're going to lose their shit so i would say that what we really want is first of all we have to have a company that can viably produce a show but what we need is creators like Terry Metalis. So the set success of if Picard season three, and remember, all this is about is subscribers of Paramount Plus and analytics, viewers. If the show gets the views it needs, if there's a bump in ratings, people are going to look at Terry and go, and I know even Terry doesn't believe this, <laughs> they, but, but, but the shows, because most people... Star Trek is old. It belongs to Gene Roddenberry. It belongs to 57 years ago. Mm-hmm. There are no new creators that want to... There's no, there's no great showrunner clamoring to come over and be like, I want Star Trek. You don't have Shonda Rhimes going, I've got an idea for a Star Trek show. Right. They want to create something new and original that they own wholeheartedly. Right. A guy like Terry Metalis, though, he's your secret weapon, man. He'll come in and he'll make it his life's work mm. to make the best season of star trek he can make robert I've, i have a question for you do you think terry is there because finally uh, uh a secret hideout got browbeaten by the fans and the evidence of their bad output to finally finally change their ways or do they not see uh, what they've done i would like to say that's true but i don't think that's the case okay. no. I think they needed somebody to do it, you know, and they they gave it to Terry. They know he could do it. He wanted, but if you look at the the if you look at Star Trek Picard seasons one and two, and again, I don't know this for a fact, they're very haphazardly written. 
And and you'll notice I want everybody, I hope when they watch Picard season three, to take a close look at the characters and the themes that run through the entirety of all 10 episodes. When you get to the end of Picard, uh, the 10th episode, you feel that you've gained something. Mm. For yourself, like all viewers, when you watch a story, you want to feel that you've some human truths have been illuminated, right. that there's something in there that you can grasp a hold of and that meant something. You know, I felt Picard seasons one and two are, are gobbledygook. But when I watched start, but I'll say this, you, any Star Trek fan, when they get to the end of episode four. Not only will you feel that you understand how a Starfleet crew should work, you will truly feel a sense of awe and wonder. Mm, well said. My, my, one of my biggest problems was you could sense the, let's call it the arrogance of a group of people who felt they owned the keys to the castle uh, being in Toronto and not, not Picard, but Disco and Strange New Worlds is produced mm-hmm. here. I know a lot of people involved (laughs) i know technical people and in the first year two people got fired immediately for bringing up to the uh showrunner that what they were doing was not canon they got Mm -hmm. taken aside and immediately fired oh this Mm. is uh now i know of two people I, I've heard others, but I'm not going to comment on that because that's now just hearsay. That's mean. Yeah, don't let canon get in the way of a good story, right, Paul? So, so, but it's not <laughs> even ca- the canon side. It's I'm just hoping the culture of the people who are doing Star Trek changes. And this, Terry, obviously knows the culture side of it also, which is heartening. There's something well, else is, is the culture like that is the beginning of the change of the culture. So in, in our opinion, I don't think that Star Trek is going to change unless Terry continues doing Trek, because the problem is, is that right now the studio, they don't understand Star Trek. You know, Alex Kurtzman doesn't understand Star Trek. You know, he understand was the mastermind behind this. You know, Robert Orsai was the guy who was a Star Trek fan. So, by the way, did you were at the premiere? Did you see Alex Kurtzman, aside from a cursory mention of Terry? Nope, that was it. Was he effusive in his praise of what Terry nope, did? Nope, yep. What does that mean? I don't, get, to... I don't get the inside joke. He hasn't seen it, though. No, no, this wasn't. This is not. This is just that Alex Kurtzman and Terry were at the front of the Chinese theater. Okay. Uh, speaking. And, and Terry gave a very eloquent speech, thanking everybody involved. And then he handed it over to Alex. And Alex did not. While he mentioned Terry, he was very quick to talk about uh, talk about everybody else. Oh. and and <laughs> I, I I mean, Are you serious? Uh, 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 yeah, and I, I just personally felt I personally felt that. Oh my! You know, Terry really he 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 was Atlas on this one. He had the Star Trek universe on his shoulders, he did. and um, you know, he did things he did things that I don't think a lot of people would do. Uh, in the in the course of making the show and and he busted his ass and look to be fair i didn't know the guy six months ago i i hmm. i i was ripping on him on twitter yeah same 
You know, he he made a comment about I I um you know uh the 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 Picard season three is going to be the send off that the next generation crew never got, and I'm like, oh really? You mean all, all good things thing. wasn't a good enough send off for you? <laughs> you know, and he 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 wrote me back. A, he he goes, I, I liked Free Enterprise, <laughs> and I was like, oh man. And then I and then I wrote him back and I said I said, well, I liked Twelve Monkeys. Mm. You know, and I met it and met him, and that's that's how we started chatting. And then I I saw him. This is the wildest thing. I mean, if you want to talk about metaphorical storytelling, I was I was going through the turnstile at the Hollywood Bowl to go into the John Williams concert, and there's a merch uh, uh, a kiosk right there, and there I saw Terry Metalis with his son mm. at the John Williams concert. And when I went over there, his son was wearing a T-shirt from a previous John Williams concert. That's awesome, you know. And I introduced myself, and we we chatted. And that's you know that's, I mean, the guy is a true believer. He's a huge Robotech fan. He owns a Back to the Future DeLorean. I mean, this he guy owns is the real deal. A DeLorean from Back to the Future. <laughs> I'm telling you, Gear man. Porn. I mean, I told you, it, 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 he's the man. You hey, know, and Jack, again, guys, I'm sorry, cut in. I didn't like him. I didn't like him. I was r- ripping on him on Twitter. So, so cutting, cutting in on this answer, Mexican Iron Man's question, real quick, because he never answered it. Is season? No, one, you need to see seasons one and two to watch season three. Real quick, Rob. No. No. The only thing you really need to know about seasons season about season three of Picard is that Riker and Deanna had a son who died. Thaddeus. And that was that was expressed in season one. In the in the episode Nepenthe. And I want to know, are there still women alcoholics in season three? <laughs> <laughs> let me let me tell you something. Uh uh Terry made good use of it. Ah. Yeah, well said. Well said. How does Riker still make pizza? Everybody wants to know. No one knows. It's <laughs> a no one knows. Pizza. Now, one pizza. question I have for everybody, though, uh, this season it's going to be amazing. You guys, you guys say it's going to be amazing. I believe you. Um, do you think this is a test? This third season is a test for the future of all the new Trek because some of this new Trek has to go. They've done enough seasons. Maybe they're. Just too expensive to, to keep on. Uh, Paramount has a bunch of other shows people like, you right. know, Yellowstone and all that stuff. But unfortunately, I don't think so. I think they think of this as a one-off. Yeah, mm. this is a gimmick season. And if body language and, is any indication of how uh, the relationship between Kurtzman and Terry is that, if he does, assuming that this third season is amazing, you know, Hollywood has a very bad habit of not having humility and appreciation when it comes to another creator outperforming and outdelivering that which has come before. Except for Kurtzman well, has a history, I think though. they're proud of him. Kurtzman has a history of listening to fans, though, when it comes to uh, extreme outcry, because that's how we got Strange New Worlds. Yeah, and, and I think he, look, more power to him. I mean, remember, it was Kurtzman who made the decision to put Terry in charge. Mm. And and I think that's something you cannot forget. And 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 look, these guys, they've got a million different things going on. If you can find somebody you can trust to take over a franchise, they still get to put their name on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the galling thing is to see this. It, Wait till you watch the end credits. When like, it, is it dropping uh, yeah. all at once or it's coming out weekly starting next Thursday? Weekly. It's coming out weekly. Starting this Thursday. Weekly. And this Thursday. super chat actually is really important. So, and I because because I think it, it touches on something that we're a little nervous about that I want Rob to talk about. Brian, can you read the super chat from Astro Nerd Boy? Astro Nerd Boy for $5. Thank you, Astro Nerd Boy. He says, I'm still going to wait until the entire season three is out before I watch. Is Picard season three canon to the original universe? 
or the JJ verse. I've heard both. And the question to Rob is this. So we talked about you can answer this one. Well, we, well, I want you to, to talk about the fact that we watch it all together. OK. And so we have the the the. Me too. So, yeah. So we, you've seen it all, the whole thing back to back to back. We've seen it back to, three times. There's a by specialness the way. about that scene <laughs> back to back to back. Do you think there's going to be a detraction or there's going to be some sort of difficulty with people having to wait each week to watch it? Yeah, because you're going to want to watch the next episode right away. Yeah. <laughs> but that's I mean, always good I mean, it, for business. It, it, every episode of this season ends with like, wait, what? what? And I'm what? not saying it's a cliffhanger. Right. But let's call it an act break. Right. That's, that's yes. Great. That's, you know, that's super. It's, it's, that's super important in building the online community these days is having those breaks in between. That's one of the reasons why Game of Thrones was so damn successful. Yeah. The chapter you had, break. You had time for the fandom to get together and speculate on what's going to happen. I know it's not really going to apply to you guys because you've already seen it. But for people who haven't that in that in between time, about a week to make YouTube videos and to comment and to get Twitter talking. Oh, my God. That's so important for the fandom. I, I mean, agree, Alex, 100%. we experienced that with Cobra Kai. I think it too mm-hmm. much dropped too fast. Yeah, there wasn't even time. You, you, you talk about Cobra right? Kai Alex? for yeah, you talk about Cobra Kai for like two weeks, and then you never hear about it again. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. so true. I love binge watching, but that's a good point. Like, in order to get traction on something, you need it to come out. And the same with same with Stranger Things. You see Stranger Things trending for two three weeks, and then it's gone. And then you right. have two. No, I think the next year you forget everything that happened in the previous season. Yeah, this show. What's really interesting about Picard season three is it really feels like a 10-hour movie. It has a three-act structure. Mm. Uh, actually, a really defined three-act structure. Acts uh, one. The first act is episodes one through four. Act two is five through eight. And act three is nine and ten. And and I think that... And I don't... That's, a, that's another reason I really admired the writing. Because if, if, if I got hit by a bus after I saw episode four and, and, and shuffled off this mortal coil... I would feel, wow, I just watched a really satisfying Star Trek The Next Generation movie. But what if it was after episode two? No. no. <laughs> well, that would be in the middle of, you know, shenanigans. I would have many questions. It'd be rough. <laughs> but, but yeah, and, but I think that that's, it's, it's interesting. This question, Astro Nerd Boy uh, says, uh, am I, I'm still going to wait until the entire, entire season three is out. I implore you not to do that. Mm. Only because one, the show needs the analytics. Yes, and two, there are things that you're not going to want to have spoiled for you. Right. Every spoiler I, will I, be out the next day, all over. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. it's going to be like there, there's going to be hashtags. Like it's going to be nuts. And there's and it's not just like big story revelations. There's little things. If you're a diehard Star Trek fan, there's little things. There's one joke, and it's not a joke, but there's there's little additions to canon. That that uh, to Star Trek canon that 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 sprinkled throughout, and and it's pretty great, yeah. <laughs> you know. Especially if you're, I can't even say what it is. Never mind. <laughs> it's just, it, there's just stuff that there's just stuff that will bring many like the Trek Yards guys, mm. <laughs> a lot of children. Oh yeah, They're yeah. The Trek Yards guys. I, I I can't wait to watch their videos after the show starts. Because they're gonna be losing it. I can just see Foley like this, just sweating. You know, he's gonna look like a sauna in that room. I guarantee it. But is Picard season three canon to OG universe or JJ verse? So JJ verse, nothing in the TV shows are canon to the movies that that JJ That's, made. 
and that's a whole different topic. So yeah, that's the that's the Kelvin timeline, I believe, right? Yeah. Canon is canon, and whether we like it or not, uh, but um, no, this follows the the traditional line of of Star Trek TV shows from before. Yeah. Paul, I want to ask you, as a, uh, I love the fact that as a former network executive, I love, by the way, first of all, I love watching your videos. Thank you. And I, 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 when you came on the scene, I was like, where'd this guy come from? You know, <laughs> and I've loved to see the meteoric rise of your channel. Um, but I, I would ask you, knowing how networks work, how do you think, like, like with Paramount Plus has now become the Taylor Sheridan network? Mm-hmm. And 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 you don't see Star Trek getting nearly the love that all the Taylor Sheridan shows are getting, and it, he is like the Shonda Rhimes right. of Paramount Plus. Do you think that Star Trek could ever once again find itself in a in a pole position when it comes to uh, the network? Well, there's a couple things. Number one, success breeds success. Um, Hollywood is uh, very. Uh, io in that if if things aren't working and it's costing too much then they're going to get bored with it they doesn't matter about the quality the years of uh, the the era of brandon tartikoff and you probably you kids are too young um this is a guy who held on to shows like um cheers which was 74 out of 77 in its first year in ratings but he said this is a sophisticated show i'm keeping it you know, yep. uh, um, uh, St. Elsewhere never went above 47. But it was one of the best best series of all the time up there with The Sopranos, as far as I'm concerned. Um, not quite sandbaggers, but still pretty amazing. Uh, and so, uh, it, it, you know, the networks are capricious. They are met personed by idiots and they all have their own agendas I have said before when I was in L.A., the most important thing was to be able to have uh, other people to have lunch with. That yeah. that that was the biggest motivating thing. So, <laughs> you know, if you were rising up the ranks and there were hangers on who wanted to be with you and uh, and if, uh, you know, you, you took people to fancy places like the Mondrian or something, then they wanted to come with. You. I mean, so Hollywood has its own weird rules, some of which I mean, it's amazing that anything gets done because that's really not the thing that interests them most. It's getting the the, you know, making sure they get their tennis right. I mean, <laughs> and show business is kind of on and and uh, Star Trek. I mean, it it's being treated very I mean, well, not worse, but similarly to um to a Babylon five. Oh yeah. Well, they only brought it back to try to start a streaming service to get into the streaming. So if, if you could get a streaming service where an individual really believes in this stuff, then that can happen. But mm-hmm. I, I just want to point out the super chat that came in from Jake Romaine. Uh, his comment wasn't there, but his comments right below. And he says, my girl and I are watching deep space nine the first time for her. And on a scale of one to 10, how important is it? that we finish before Picard season three. This is the first time trying a super chat. <laughs> oh. oh, so the, I only said, I just try. want to point out he, he, he did try. Yeah. So, you know, I, I always want to make sure. The super that makes sense, heard. Jack. Thank you. Deep space nine got really good in the third season. Yeah. And by the way, um, sort of TNG. I don't know, guys, how important is it? You need to finish deep space. Nine? Oh, that is such a loaded question. The Paramount snipers are here. You need to. You, I would say you need to have a really good working knowledge of Deep Space Nine, but I don't know if you need to finish it. 
Well, that's hard. That's a hard. You kind of need to know about season seven. So yes, a little bit, little bit <laughs> true, maybe. I think Jake Baker. I mean, sorry, Jake Romaine is uh, trying to get uh, R and B over here killed by Terry Metalis. <laughs> that's a rough question. No, I mean, I I I would say that that uh, all of Berman era Trek, TNG, yeah. Deep Space Nine, Voyager, uh, not so much Enterprise, but is although a little bit. Um, even a little bit uh, of TOS. Even a little bit of TOS. And a little bit of T- oh, God. Bless. I know. God, God bless. bless. I, yeah. God bless Terry. You just remember I, right now. It's so I, I never, I never got the feeling, even during the uh, TNG days, that the network was particularly thrilled having them. It's always sci-fi has always been a grudging, uh, yeah. you know, thing. I mean, look to what's happened to the sci-fi network. <laughs> oh, it's not even sci-fi anymore. It's, it's well, that's uh, my point. S- that's why. That's why. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's 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 my point. So it's it's you know we always fight for these things because we really really love them. So I hope that answers your question, Robert. Yeah, I think the best <laughs> advice is what Rob said. You got to really watch all of them. So TNG, Voyager, DS Nine. <laughs> yeah. By the way, and, the Dork Knight says, "What episodes of DS Nine would you recommend? <laughs> Seasons two through seven. Yes. <laughs> so and don't so, forget the animated series. So almost all of them. Uh, quick super chat from Justin Baker for twenty dollars. Thank you, Jack. Wow, nineteen ninety nine. Nineteen ninety nine. The shows we watch and love to analyze are at the whim of shareholders. Yes, and that's mm. why. And that's, thank you for saying that because that's why. If we make a big enough noise about the things we like, the shareholders hear about it, and the people in charge, the powers that be, have to listen to their shareholders. Yeah. I think I think a big reason why we got Strange New Worlds was because people made such a huge outcry over Pike. They lost mm-hmm. it over Pike. Yeah, I think and, and Anson Mount did a, an amazing job as Pike. He was the only thing that was redeeming about that season of Discovery. Yeah, he yeah, no, you're right. And uh, or Strange New Worlds. No, no, no. Anson was fine. It was the hair that was acting yeah. really, really well. I'm, try- I'm trying to mimic it myself right now. <laughs> you're good. I wish I could <laughs> mimic that. It's not that high. You need more hairspray. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Robert, Robert's got Anson Mount hair. Every episode, his hair is, is hard. Yeah, but I wish I had his crew of sexually ambiguous ladies yeah. on my bridge. You know what? Because that is a way to. Yes. I kept just screaming, uh, 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 oh, God, his uh, second in charge, uh, uh, Romaine. Number one. Number one. Yeah. Give her a fucking episode. Back up. Sorry Back for swearing. Up. But I mean, my God, give her an episode. How about the fact that the captain has a ship full of hotties, but his girlfriend's like, somewhere else <laughs> like come on bro no, but they're it's the 23rd century free love and all that they're all non-binary no that's great all right, well that's yes that's right <laughs> imagine what's happening in lower decks on pike's end yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a mess that's down there bound 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 bound, right yeah yeah no one talks yeah. about non-binary hookers that's what i <laughs> thanks paul yeah well it doesn't matter whether it's octurian baby that's true you know what i'm saying <laughs> that's true and demon. Well, the important yeah, it's an aliens reference. Right That's all. I'm referencing aliens. I'm thinking <laughs> right. of the future. Yes, aliens, not humans. So back before we we digress a little bit there, um, Terry does want to make more Star Trek. This is something we know, and um, but right now he, he's not on the on the on the ticket for any new yes. Star Trek. So if you guys like Picard season three. Uh, we also have a video coming out tomorrow that you really need to watch. It goes into a lot of what Robert's been saying, a lot of what we've been saying. And I, we feel it's kind of a mic drop for uh, what's been happening here and what's going on with Star Trek. So watch that. And then afterwards, we're going to give you an opportunity to show you how you can actually support 
uh, Terry Metalis staying in Star Trek, doing more Star Trek, uh, because we really need that going forward. If we lose him, there's nobody else. It's a vacuum. As Robert's been saying, we're going to continue getting the same shit we're getting with him not a part of it. So just, you know, stay tuned. If you like it, we know it's hard to tell. You haven't seen it yet. If you like it, stay tuned with us because we're going to need to push to keep him doing more Star Trek. And just a wrap. I do want to point right. out point out it was reported in deadline that terry is now working for disney and they just produced the pilot for the escape to witch mountain uh tv series that uh, bryce dallas howard is in That's i true. thought it was a sequel to escape so, i thought it was great yeah yeah it's a i don't i don't quite yeah. know the but but it is i mean i'm a fan of that you know yeah. i can't wait to see the flying I winnebago and the inverted helicopter i can't wait i'm sure it's there um, but uh, he is doing that, so he is still working. You know, he's over. How do they let him go to Disney? Right, well, it's funny because they didn't. I mean, he had an opp- he had the opportunity to get to go right on to the next show, but there was this. We can't really talk and about you know, it. But you know, Shane Brian, Disney's trying to get all of sci-fi. Know, Sorry, but you guys, let me ask you this: when you get to the uh, when you get to the end of Picard season three, don't you get the idea? that maybe perhaps there's a direction that that show points yeah. in that maybe viewers would like to head down. Yes. hundred percent. I remember watching the last episode. I'm looking at Shane and like, this is this. So this is what we're doing now. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, he teased that for me. He made it easy. He I was, it, really it was easy. perfect. It was a perfect of a layup, dude. If they, if, 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 if they really do not continue with that perfect setup, I mean, they're just, I mean, they just, they didn't watch it. Maybe they're making plans and they haven't watched it yet. Maybe that's it. Yeah. I think that's, a, that's probably a good bet. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping Star Trek Final Frontier will be the new show. That'd be I mean, a great this, name. This all speaks to your guys, what you're talking about now, it all speaks to the analytics. So that's why the analytics have that's, to be That's, there. you're exactly right. Anything, everybody wants. Because, because if, if, if he's moved on here and there's no, and, you know, I'm hearing three things. I'm hearing that. The way it's going to end opens up an entree for something maybe else yeah. that also could be amazing. Uh, I'm also hearing that you're telling me that he's gone on a different direction, and then I'm hearing that you know the way it was in the red carpet. Well then, well then, if you want good trick, it's like anything else in life. The market must the market must speak, and consumer demand and analytics yeah. must. And be that's the only day. thing. I mean, that's why when you go on social media, hashtag Picard season three, you know, hashtag watch Terry. the show. Tell your starts on the 16th right yeah this Thursday. Right. Yeah, yeah thursday if it gets hey, the so response we, that you guys are are hoping for it's going to be something entirely new for paramount yeah Star it will be, yeah. and i think that they're going to be uh making some plans alongside that reaction and word of mouth is really gonna i think blow up the subscription packages for them i don't think they know what good is I mean, that's entirely possible. <laughs> and on that like I note, said, I want to thank Alex for coming because I know he has to get out of here. <laughs> Alex, I know you didn't get to say enough, but the things you said were wonderful. We hope we can get you back uh, on one of these next time. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. Quick, quick end to our poll, and I'll let well, Alex. One more thing, to too, for Alex. What do you guys got coming up for Salty Nerd Podcast? Oh, geez. Um, we're dipping our toes in the uh, Indian cinema market right now. We're doing uh, is a Disney Plus movie coming out. It's called uh, Brahmastra, I believe is how you say it. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. You're covering that? That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, so we've kind of come to a revelation lately that uh, international cinema is where it's at. Like stuff coming out of South Korea, Japan, India is on point. R-R-R. Like very entertaining. RRR. Yeah. So we're kind of like in, in between doing 80s and 90s nostalgia movies. We're dipping our toe in the international market uh, for movies, which because we want to bring more people to that because there's so much entertaining stuff out there. 
Yeah, I agree with um, that. But if I can real quick, before I head out, I just wanted to thank everybody for uh, having me on tonight. Robert Meyer Burnett, I look up to you like crazy, and I never thought I'd be on a live stream with you, so thank you so much. Well, I'm sorry <laughs> that I talk too much. No, no, no. Hey, come on. Come on my channel anytime. Okay. I'd love to have you. R- wonderful. I'd... And if you're going to talk international cinema, that's where I live. So Excellent. Come on over. Excellent. And, uh... <laughs> and if you want to talk, you know what comes out on uh, DVD tomorrow? Deci- or Blu-ray, Decision to Leave. Okay. Park Chan-wook's Decision to Leave from Korea. One of my favorite movies of last year. You should check it out. I definitely will. And Brian and Shane, thank you so much for having me on, guys. And if I can... You guys are club members, so I wanted to take this opportunity to uh, offer an invite. We're doing like Mystery Theater 3000 live commentaries on original Star Trek on our club members area. And uh, we have a studio that will be built and ready. By the time you guys are ready to come out here, we'd love to record with you. I will 100% do that. Absolutely. Thanks, Alex. No problem. All right, guys. Have a great night. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. And before we go to the next topic, I did want to address the poll. I tried to put out a poll for every topic, and it looks like we got – 47 votes for are you planning to watch Picard season three this week? And uh, 83% said yes, 15% said hell no, and 2% said maybe. Those <laughs> those maybes are confusing to me, to be honest. They will. Yeah, that Even means ones yes. that say hell no, they will. They'll be right, there. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the network thinks too. Like, like the, they'll watch. Don't worry, they'll watch. Yeah, they'll watch. Even like with yeah. YouTube, we were like, oh, thumbs down, thumbs up. I'm like, it don't matter. They're both equal, the exact same thing, their interactions. Yeah. When it comes to YouTube, whether you thumbs up or thumbs down, it's the same. Right. Yeah, YouTube it's just all good. Is someone talking to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, oh, I had a question for you, uh, Mexican Iron Man. So uh, there's this <laughs> dichotomy between the people that really <laughs> hate Star Trek to the point of you know they've been had they've been rug pulled twice now, or, you know, on Picard seasons one and two, and you're really tight with people who who struggle with it. Can you give us like kind of the feeling like do you think these people can be redeemed back to Star Trek or do you think it's all well, I am that person. I, you're t- I am that person. I mean, I, I, I literally, half of me is repulsed and wants to boycott <laughs> and let my boycott <laughs> mentality think that that's going to somehow get Paramount to change. But then there's this, there's this little boy inside me that can't deny that Star Trek is in my DNA. I would not be the man I am if not for uh, Star Trek. I mean, there's no... There are things I do literally on an, in, on any given week that come from something DS9. I mean, it's, you know, original series, something. Um, and all I have to do is I just have to go back to basic market demand. I'm going to go back to what Paul Chato said, is that, like Paul, I don't believe that these networks, I've seen their decision-making in Hollywood. They they aren't the type to where they'll, you know, if you turn them off, if you turn, they, they create their own stories in their head. And the only thing that's going to get us what we want is if, we don't watch what we hate and it sucks and we let them know that. And then we do get what we want and, and validate that. And if, if it's good, uh, whatever that is. And so I am that person. You are looking at me. I, I am a, ha- I am a house divided in my, in and of myself, but you know what? I have to go back to, this is what I do, but, but I have to go back to say, I love sci-fi. Sci-fi is my number one of all the genres that are out there more than sword and sorcery, more than fantasy the list goes on and on. I, I, it, I'm a sci-fi guy. And um, at, at my basic root, I want to love more than I want to hate uh, on any given day of my life. And so if there's something that I can love, then I'm going to latch on to it and I'm going to like it. I will tell you this. I am really glad that when I saw Andor, I saw it in a batch. And I didn't have to watch it week to week to week to week because the mm. way that show played out, 
is it didn't play with that sort of uh, episode ending. Oh, what comes next? It was more like, well, what are they going to do next? And so I was glad to hear from, I guess, Robert. I can't remember who said that, Robert Brand, but, but someone said that, you know, when it ends, you're like, okay, what comes next? That's the feeling that I get now that I'm watching Yellowstone. I just did a deep dive and I watched, good God, five seasons of Yellowstone oh. in 11 days while I was driving around. In fact, Brian, when I was driving to see you for like, I just started nice. binging it and I, I watched it all in like 11 days. So, so uh, I am that person. All I can say is that, is that look, if it's good, you know, if it's good, then you got to watch it. And if you, and you got to tell other people about it. that's, that's how I feel because I, I, I've learned too much from, uh, from other, from other genres that uh, if you don't reward what's good, we're just going to get more sure. bad. You know, what's ironic about the Star Trek franchise. What do you, what do you think about what uh, I just said? Well, Robert? I was going to say I love what you just said because I think that I honestly believe, and I'm an optimist, fans want to love. That's yes. what we want. I mean, we've been fans this all this time, and, and we became fans because we love stuff. And what's funny is all of the things we love have bonded us together. If you were to ask people... Like, what are your favorite movies from the 80s? I would imagine that 95% of the things we all say are the same. True. And we are, we are the same tribe. And I think what's, what's happened is a lot of the things that we love are now controlled by corporations. And, and what I wanted to point out about Star Trek is, first of all, ironically, this is the best time in all of human history that great Star Trek can exist. And it's ironic that everybody who's trying to make Star Trek, at least for the last 14 years, has tried to turn it into something mm. else. Star Trek was always a secular, humanist, allegorical, action-adventure, science fiction story. It was progressive, but it, was, it, you, it didn't make you know it was progressive. Right. You know, it gave you the action-adventure and the messages were embedded in the story if you cared to look. But now it's 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 not that anymore, and yet Star Trek should be the franchise that's at the forefront of the time that we live in now. And the allegory has left from Star Trek. You know, it's like let's just have our non-binary character tell a gay man, uh, "You need to use my personal pronouns," <laughs> which actually happened in an episode of Discovery. Yes, it did. And and wow. I, I was I was I was stunned by this when when you have. When you have characters in Star Trek like the Trills, who are binary, transgendered, a species, a transgendered joint species, who are both men and women, and they've married, they've been both genders throughout the hundreds, the centuries that they've lived. This is already in Star Trek. Right. You know, they kind of try to delve into this a little bit in Discovery, but, you know, the very first time when you meet, uh, the uh the trill it's in an episode where there's a diplomat named odan and he falls in love with beverly crusher and his human host gets killed mm -hmm. and the symbiote gets placed into the body of a woman and uh odan comes back to beverly and says you know in the body of a woman we can continue with our love affair and she's like i'm i'm sorry i can't like i'm Basically, she's saying I'm straight. Right. And even though you're you, I can't. Now, when that episode came out, that was really mm -hmm. audacious. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Now, people would go back and say, well, it wasn't audacious enough. And I'm like, come on, man. Television from 87 to 94 was a little different back then. And the episode, The Outcast, where where um, 
uh, Riker falls in love with a member of a genderless right. species, mm-hmm. the first Soren, mm-hmm. and then she's literally, or they are literally sent off they're, they're, to a, a re-education camp. This was heady stuff, especially when it came out. And now all of the allegory that allowed Trek to be as advanced as it was, Star Trek is about a universe where we have alien intermarriages, you know, where where you have people. Amanda Grayson was married to an alien in 1968, <laughs> and and I mean, this you want to talk about progress in 1968 in Star Trek, you had humans marrying a different species. And now we've reverted back to the most basic, ridiculously non-intellectual storytelling. Well, not not just ever. not just that. Uh, this is the future. All these things were solved in Star Trek. Yes. So why are you bringing your modern bullshit into and or at least show it differently uh, or allegorically? Or allegorically, and it should be. And you know they, but they didn't like sci-fi. They're, you know, we all talked about the virtue signaling and blah 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 blah. I mean, it's it's absolutely tiresome. Uh, they just didn't know how to write Star Trek. That's it. I'll tell you what's brilliant about Star Trek: Picard season three. You have characters that are all older. They have regrets. Mm-hmm. They've made mistakes, and this show deals with those things. In the first episode of uh Picard season three Riker comes to meet Picard and part of the reason he does that is to get away from Deanna and his daughter because he can't deal with that's right the emotions right spoiler and it's it doesn't it, and I I don't want to make this sound like some it's not like ordinary people the movie <laughs> people are like what it's a movie is <laughs> Mary Tyler Moore's in it I saw it it's but, a great movie. but it, it, it yeah it's a great movie it but it has there is an emotional part of star trek picard season three that i think a lot of people i really respected it being my age now if i was like 25 maybe not so much but now there is a maturity to the writing in star trek picard season three that i think might be overlooked by much of the fan base because it deals with with subjects that star trek hasn't necessarily delved into on a uh, over 10 episodes right the way it does well, and one thing that does concern me is that I don't know. I mean, it's up to in, in the hands of someone who is passionate about it can uh, continue this uh, Star Trek. It'd be great to have it in the hands of a young person who totally understands it and can take it someplace else. To me, it was really refreshing to see the expanse because it was new. Oh, my God. So good. And it was good. And I went, you know what? I could see this becoming. I could have seen this. You know, this could have been Star Trek. Totally. And because they got so many things right about it. And and it was but it, bottom line is we need more a, along with keeping Star Trek going. We need more new science fiction. <clears throat> I totally you know, Paul, you, the great thing about The Expanse, that's one of the most inclusive, racially diverse casts. And no one says a word mm-hmm. but, you know, because that's what the future would it be. It was also right. ethnically diverse. That's what I mean. No, but it was no. So, so Star Trek was fixated on two things, racial and sex and gender expanse oh, right. 
included ethnicity. I'm, I yes. make the argument that, you know, a Spanish person, a Finnish person, a German person, they mm. are all ethnically different. But Hollywood doesn't get that. They go, well, no, mm. the Finn and the Finn and the uh, German, they're white. <laughs> no, they're ethnically different. And the Expanse yep. got that right. And and that and the everybody it was it like the original star trek yes no one ever said no one ever said anything it was now the new ethnicity was the belters, correct right you know oh, the people that were built in space and, and and all all the different human ethnicities didn't matter nope. cuz there was it, we had all become mixed mixed we were all beautifully mixed and then and then it's like the belters hated the, and the martians and the earth yeah. it. and it was i mean I, I love the fact that one of the main characters was was uh, from New Zealand, you know. Yep. I don't know if she's Maori or not, but I I love. And the good Bobby writing, Bobby. Right. They had great tech uh, tech porn in it. Oh, it was so it had so much tech porn. <laughs> it was great. Whenever they would have too. to decelerate and get it, it was, it was great. Wonderful. Oh, you're decelerating again. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get in my chair. <laughs> yeah, I loved all the gravity stuff in the Expanse. You shoot somebody, and all of a sudden they're just floating there. Oh yeah, and you had a lead character that was slowly deteriorating and had to secretly, you know get themselves well you know charged back up and but it would just not last as long and it was great and then the i think it was the russian woman from the belters anyway i don't want to talk about the expense but i think star trek's health also requires the health of sci-fi i agree i would love to see a young a young created uh, like uh, star trek i just don't i just don't know if that's i think i don't know i think they're there well, Terry, the problem is like Terry is at the bottom of the of the barrel, so to speak. So you got Manny Cotto, who did the fourth season of uh, of Enterprise, and he had the DNA for Star Trek. And Terry has the DNA for Star Trek. And of course, Brandon Braga, who's who was messing over on the Orville recently. You know, he probably still has the DNA, but I can't think of anybody outside those three. Rob, I don't know if you think it's somebody else that could actually come and do something for Star Trek. And but I mean, I, I think you need to find a i don't know a 30 year old creator but the problem is i don't know if you know star trek's dna comes from like the camelot spirit of the kennedy white house of the early 60s and you know it was created by the greatest generation you know people that fought in world war mm-hmm. ii and 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 all of those kinds of things and i i don't know i've always thought that star trek was a niche thing anyway as a fanatical star trek fan when i was a kid but but it requires a certain optimism of spirit, of heart and mind in, in many ways. And that's very unique and different with respect to a lot of sci-fi. It's stories. also elitist because one of the it things is. I always loved about Star Trek as a kid is that these are the best of the best. Mm. They are the top 1% of human beings. You have to be, otherwise the final frontier will kill you. Yeah. Yeah. And and what I loved is McCoy, Spock and Kirk represented not they were the best of the best, but they also knew they didn't know everything, you know. And 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 their disciplines were all appreciated. Their knowledge was all appreciated. And I'll tell you something: one of the greatest pieces of television writing ever is in the episode "Balance of Terror," mm-hmm. which is surprising that Strange New Worlds ripped it mm-hmm. off and badly. They revisited mm-hmm. it. I didn't even recognize episode. it. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. I'm ashamed. They missed, I reviewed they it. Completely missed the point. Um, and you can see that in the way they portrayed the Romulans. It was like, oh, my God, you guys didn't even get this episode. But 
you know, Kirk says, and it's an amazing, it's it's a single shot. Camera's low angle, it's looking up at Kirk, and, and McCoy's leaning against the his cabin door. And and Kirk says, why me? You know, why am I putting this decision, whether my, my decisions, I, we're either going to go to war, or I'm going to be able to take out this Romulan ship before it crosses the neutral zone and, and home. And McCoy gives a speech, he goes, you know, in this galaxy, there's a mathematical probability of you know, one million uh, stars and one million million Earth-type planets or something. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. But in all of that, and oh, and, and a million million galaxies like this right. one, and in all of that, and perhaps more, there's only one of each of us, <laughs> which is a sentiment that Dr. Manhattan later shared. Yeah, it's super rad. And then McCoy says, don't destroy the one named Kirk. It's an amazing moment, and DeForest Kelly's amazing, and that's what Star Trek is. And Star Trek Picard Season 3 has more of mm-hmm. that yeah. than um, than the Star Trek we've seen since 2017. Yeah, amen. Well hey, said. We got a super chat from Badger Johnson. The problem is we don't know if it's good until we watch it, and by then they have our money and our view, so I'm inclined to watch before you go off on not that, to watch. Not to watch. Sorry, inclined not to watch. But before you go off on that, Rob and Shane, remember, uh, you can watch it for free with the promo code Picard for a month. So you don't got to give them any money. But you know what? I think Terry's worth 10 bucks. <laughs> I think so, too. Yeah. What, is yeah. it, what does Paramount Plus cost for, 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 for uh, what, 10 weeks? Seven ninety nine, I think. Yeah. Well, I, I, I watch it on Crave up here. Mm. Well, right. Well, and so if you're you're inclined not to watch, but let's just say this, Badger. I don't know if you follow along with us and our opinions. Star Trek's been pretty crappy since uh, Discovery came out, and we're telling you that this is the best uh, it's been in more than twenty years. So if if you believe in what we're saying, then throw your seven ninety nine out there and give it to Paramount Plus, and uh, and I don't think you'll be disappointed. I was actually shocked at how good. I don't know what you think, Robert, but how shocked uh, Star Trek continues was <laughs> okay I, um uh, star trek fan films <laughs> yeah but, but as a fan film i thought it the, the the its brilliance was that it kept the look of the sh- original show didn't try to update anything uh, I, I enjoyed look, it a lot i i think star trek continues is the high water mark of star trek yeah. fan films and it, I agree. it when it when the writing was great like uh, the second second episode, Laurel was it Lorelai mm-hmm. with the the Orion that slave M. girl that Lou Ferrigno was yeah. in. That's a great yeah. episode. Here there be dragons. I think is a great episode. The two part climax that led into the motion picture that revisited where no one has gone before the Star Trek pilot. There was a lot of when the writing was good. I thought it was absolutely exemplary. I, I really, yeah, it I was really good. Did. Good on them for you know the tiny budget that they, they. Yeah, no, I think they did a really good job. But, you know, again, the, the, it lives and dies with with the the production and the, it's really the writing and and the acting. But but that was you know they did a really they did a a great job. You know, and and kudos to them because they put out all their episodes. You know, they got them done. I got a TLS and, um, backdrop right now. Mm. Yeah, it's it's no, but it, they did a good job, and 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 I it also you know what here's the thing, it also showed the viability of the design of the like you could have 
you could have recreated the original series sets, maybe changed the buttons, the, the jelly, jelly bean buttons on the... You could have kept the original series sets and just lit them differently and shot them with a different aspect ratio, and it all would have worked. So, and this idea, I, these giant sets with all this wasted space in a starship, I don't, well, I don't believe you know, it. I'm, Why is the bridge so huge? Th- these are not art-directed shows. It drives me nuts. Mm. What's beautiful about this is how the lighting, the, you know, a- apart from the flimsy fake star maps that were on cellophane and they would right, wobble. Right. <laughs> yeah, they apart would. from that, I mean, and, and Star Trek even has this wonderful uh, direction language where you had people placed, you know, in depth on the camera. I mean, I, actually, I do that for my comedy directing. I use Star Trek directing, actually, when I place yeah. people. And the other show that had phenomenal art direction was The Prisoner. And you, you've got to appreciate the... Cons- <laughs> oh, it. my God. <laughs> I, I thought that was because... You guys need to get a room. No, 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 no. Comple- I didn't, didn't see your shirt. Did not see your shirt. So, uh, and I was an original viewer of both those shows. Mm. And I was young enough to go, oh, my God, I'm watching every episode of Star Trek. The Prisoner, I couldn't quite understand i had to watch it multiple times because i thought it was danger man on acid and um it is it is basically <laughs> yes you're right this danger man it's exactly what danger it is. man on acid but uh you know that was my problem with disco is that it had a hearing look that you could go i want to copy that and use it someplace else it was just you know a giant barn well i yeah the thing is that's another thing I don't believe the production design of Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. And uh, I just, I don't believe anything about it. And while, you know, I mean, Terry inherited certain sets, what he did was, you know, bringing back the art like Drexler and, and Mike Akuda to do the L-Cars stuff. I mean, I really love what the bridge of the Titan A looks like in terms of, I mean, it, it still is a little wide and all that, but it feels like you're watching a Star Trek movie. Yeah. You know, it and and I think Dave Blass uh uh worked very hard and they did a lot. I mean, cuz Terry wanted it, that nautical feel, you know, to come back to the show. And they killed it with the sh- and- with the ship scenes. So when you guys see the ships, they're done in this oh. movie style quality. They look like they look like um models. Uh, yeah, they're capital ships. I mean, whether they're big or or not, the idea is that you're supposed to feel that they're right, big. right. And and Star Trek Two, the battle between the Reliant and the Enterprise and the Mutara Nebula is the is the apex or the pinnacle of that idea with these capital ships that have cannons. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean that was that was that was Star Trek, and the idea that ships are are zinging around like I can't I can't even. Because even though they might, because you're in space and zero gravity and Starfleet or Starship combat, you still have to pretend. I mean, but use the X, Y, and Z. But you have right. There is such a thing as momentum that exists in space. I'm just glad they never use depth charges. (laughs) Star Wars. What are you talking about? Hey, uh, real quick, guys. There's a super chat from Atheist for the Cause. As are writers, directors, producers being created in the same extent as they used to be? It seems like there's a lot less talent available to me. 
Mm. Well, it's a sign of the times, though. I think that. Uh, yeah. I think that what about people who are unread. On the Orville, the producers are have a big job. I mean, Brandon Braga, Andre Bormanis, they're there every day. They've written a ton of episodes together. David A. Goodman, um, they're all there every day. So I don't know what other shows are doing. Well, I think I think though too. Um, you know, last night I we've been having I've been having a film festival here for my girlfriend's parents. <laughs> And last night, last night I showed them the Man Who Would Be King. Okay, directed by directed by John Hughes. Great movie. And yeah, I'm trying to show them things that they hadn't seen. And I always try and show them some special features. And John Huston tried to get the Man Who Would Be King made for 20 years. And you know, John Huston, Maltese Falcon, Treasure of Sierra Madre. I mean, he was a visionary. These are people that 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 are true talents. I think a lot of the people now are journeymen. We, we have very few real auteurs left. And part of the reason, especially in movies, is you're not allowed to do that. I mean, you didn't get to make four or five independent movies. You make one good, Colin Trevorrow made Safety Not Guaranteed, a million-dollar movie, and then his next movie was Jurassic World. Oh, jeez. And, and how, do you, how do you become a great, a great filmmaker and in this day and age, when that's the case. Yeah, basically, you're, and with te- you're talking about not paying your dues correctly. Yeah. you have to, and, and with TV, I mean, TV was never an auteurist medium. TV is really the cruise medium. It's, it's the first AD's medium, and it's the writer's. TV is a writer's, executive producer's, showrunner's medium. You can speak to that, Paul. Yep. yep. Um, and when you're actually on, I mean, I've only directed five episodes of TV in my life. And I had scripts that were given to me. And while what was fun was creatively working in the confines of the parameters that I was given. Mm. And there's ways to be creative by by using the tools that you're given. You know, a TV series has a look. It has a feel that's already been well established. However, if you use that to your advantage creatively, you can do... You know, it's like when Ryan Johnson comes in and directs the Fly episode of Breaking Bad. Right. If you remember that episode, yeah. that's when somebody can come in and and do something really unique and interesting, um, and within the parameters of a show. Yeah. But I think I think one of the problems with the industry now is that people don't have the background, and they didn't work. The, I I think everybody should work their way up from PA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You should. Everybody who works, whether you're the, uh, an executive producer or not, I think everybody in the industry should have an experience working as a production assistant for a couple of years. And see the workings of production. Mm-hmm. Even even if you're a talent agent, most agents and th- the people that are brokering deals for their talent don't know anything about the actual day to day life of what a production is. True, yeah, and it's insane. Well, so I, I also think they're moving writers up too fast too. I mean, yep, Metcalf no, and Daniels, um, Standing created Taxi. You have. No- how long he worked about episode and then how many Mary Tyler Moore episodes he, he wrote before he was then show run an episode. It, <laughs> and you were working with the best team planet in MTM and his, mm-hmm. his, his uh, takeoff uh, was very slow and gentle and well, yeah. they didn't just throw them into the deep end. Now, look at the rings so of power they, producer showrunners 
Look at those guys. They they literally yes. had done a little bit of treatment on a movie, and now they're running an entire writing anything. Right, right. Now they're doing the the biggest show on the planet, and they've done nothing yeah. before that. Correct. So you're right. Well, I think I think you're right. We're and, gonna need to remember. But, um, oh, sorry, I know. Sorry. No, no. <laughs> sorry, I just want to go ahead, Paul. I was just gonna say I read a, a biography of Graham Greene. A, a gentleman who wrote some of the best short stories on the planet, you know, the, the, uh, 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 you know, um, Cuba. Oh, I can't remember the name, but anyway, just phenomenal short stories that became a lot of them became movies. And uh, when he came to Hollywood to write scripts, they asked him to write, uh, to learn to write scripts. Graham Greene, one of the greatest novelists of his era, they forced him to learn how to write screenplays oh, wow. before he was allowed to write them. I mean, this is, we don't have that anymore. That we don't have. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm beating well a dead horse. We here. have AI. Yeah. Look, super chat from Joe Cronin. I'll let you go, Shane. So many great people on tonight. Shout out to RMB for the great bonus features on Trek TNG mm-hmm. and enterprise. Woo. Waiting for Picard. Season three is killing me. Uh, that thank you. That's that's very nice. I mean, for those of you who don't know, um, we did fifteen Star Trek uh, uh, Blu-ray sets. We did the full series of TNG, the full series of Enterprise, and then we did the five individual discs of two-hour episodes from Best of Both Worlds on. Um, and it was it was I for three years I worked for CBS on Star Trek. It was the greatest thing ever. Yes, that's quarters. And newsflash, that's what got me to uh, love uh, R&B and become a fan because I mm. got those as a gift. <clears throat> and I was never a TNG fan at all. I went straight to DS9. Uh, I was one of those like, no, it's not the original <laughs> series. I'm not going to watch this new crap. No way. The ship is then Why does it look like a spoon? Many years later, many years later, I watched those uh, bonus interviews and man, R&B. What an amazing, amazing job. Well, I, you know, I give and, uh, now I've seen now I've seen every episode. God, five. Six, I give five, all the credit uh, in the world. There's an, an executive uh, who no longer is work? Who no longer works with CBS? Named Ken Ross, who was somebody I admired. He was he was there at the dawn of the home video industry with Andre Blay and Magnetic Video, uh, the very first home video company. And to work for him, it's funny because I called him Big Daddy Ken, like the Tony Soprano, uh, Sopranos of network executives. He was instrumental in getting Star Trek, the original series, and. Uh, the next generation remastered mm. uh, into into high def, and if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have got got the cast for next generation. And you know, I wouldn't have gone to Calgary and sat down with them for the 25th anniversary and, and hosted. You can watch on the second season TNG disc, but I was I, I I'm the on camera host of a 25th anniversary reunion with all the next generation cast, and it was one of the highlights of my life. It's awesome. So awesome. shout out to Ken. So, yeah, if you guys haven't seen that, you need to check it out because Rob's really made some great stuff out there. Yeah. Okay. So uh, also we missed a $10 super chat from the salty nerd podcast uh, from Alex on his way out, sent that over to us. Thank you so much guys. Go check out the salty nerd podcast. They have some really great content when you guys get a chance. We'll put the link down below. Yes. Links are um, on the description. We want to uh, move on a little bit to, unless anybody else has anything to say about star Trek really quick are you, you asking me one bit? time because if you have something else to say about star trek i mean <laughs> say, uh, in case we'll somebody be here until tomorrow <laughs> be there thursday <laughs> listen we, we once it starts it'll be we want to say this stuff so 
Um, but so True. let's move on to this next one. Okay. So listen, guys, a worldwide balloon UFO epidemic is apparently happening with multiple countries now claiming that they are shooting down balloons slash unidentified flying objects. The U.S. military shot down at least three unidentified objects over the weekend after a Chinese spy balloon that had invaded Americans airspace was down February 4th. At this point, it is unclear what the objects were, their purpose or who sent them. But one was identified as a cylindrical in shape and the other an octagon. One object was the size of a small car after being shot down uh, was not likely a balloon. According to White House spokesman John Kirby, who, by the way, was my boss when I was in the Navy, he said these objects seemed to have no source of propulsion or maneuvering and that they were shot down because they flew lower than the Chinese spy balloon and posed a risk to civilian air traffic. Now, some F-22 pilots who interacted with the objects over Alaska said that it interfered with their with their sensors and that one of the objects actually claimed to have no identifiable propulsion and could not explain how it had stayed in the air. Now China has alleged that the U.S. has flown more than 10 high altitude balloons over its airspace in the past year. China's balloon was so huge it was the size of three buses. When the U.S. and Canada adjusted their radars to look for smaller objects, they found these ones and shot them down over the weekend. A general is now not ruling out extraterrestrials. So <laughs> What the hell is going on? It's How many pieces aliens. of bubblegum would it take to make a balloon that big? <laughs> this all sounds like a prank by Pennywise to me. Oh, uh, I, I mean, this is crazy right now. Paul, you're in, you're in Canada, right? Yes. Now, how often do you let another country shoot down stuff in your airspace? Is that not weird? Uh, we don't know anything. We let anybody do anything <laughs> they want in our airspace. <laughs> I'm sure they're friendly, yep. <laughs> Our military is comprised of uh, three guys at uh, Tim Hortons Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but this is this is really for a second there. It's, it's uh, I mean, we're shooting down a bunch of balloons now. Apparently, this has been happening all over the world. We have, uh, I think, yep. like forty different countries have had balloons sent over the top of them. Um, are you guys? They, in wrecked, they wrecked two two um, uh, two kids parties in Dusseldorf. Is that what it is? Yeah, they're, they've gone totally, totally nuts. Who here yes. believes in UFOs, like actual ET UFOs? Okay, Mexican Iron Man, nice. Yeah, yeah come on. Who doesn't believe in aliens? I don't. I believe in the possibility. Of it. As Jody Foster said in Contact, it'd be an awful waste of space. I mean, the, the, like, uh, stats don't lie. There, there has to be some kind of aliens. The question is not whether they exist. It's whether they've been here, I think. Oh, are there bacteria uh in other parts of the uh universe yes mm. are there sentient beings similar to us no so how many of you guys think that it's a government conspiracy trying to get us mad at china yeah <laughs> yeah i mean that's i mean probably, about youtubers that's, that's probably it i think that's it i stopped believe the government would had my best interest years ago <laughs> I, I used to be one of those. The government would never lie to me. I'm an American. And then he was coming back from Tijuana, and they told him he couldn't come back. Wait in. a minute. What does your passport say? Uh, I am less concerned about the initial lie than the lie to cover up the fact that they were lying. Uh, right. Yes. I, I have a harder time with that part of the equation. Drives me nuts. Just admit it and move on. And the, the lie man, was so they, they, crazy. 
they tied themselves into knots to not, uh, you know, not admit that they blew it. Right. Right. Yeah. I think so, uh, somebody's think? just trying to uh, battle Star Galactica. Us. It's like we got all this fancy equipment. They're like, let's go back a few decades. Let's just put a balloon out there. They won't even notice it. Well, they're, checking on, they're checking out our capabilities. Right. It's just a, it's, we have all these like high tech gadgets, and they're like, well, a balloon. Before this I show, this though, down. I was I was listening to a guy on NPR as I was driving. Some people might say that was my problem, but I <laughs> I was uh, listening to a, a story about how a guy from was explaining our capabilities, like NORAD is old oh yeah and the thing is what norad is what they do is if they see a launch like or something that they can actually track they'll follow it the problem is they can't track the launch of a balloon Mm. so they don't necessarily they're not looking for them Mm -hmm. and you know it's like your was mr trudeau your own prime minister asked (laughs) asked the americans to shoot down this thing and and um i mean it, it 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 look Here's here's what is depressing to me as a Star Trek fan. You know, they the Russians are going to step up there for a year. They thought they would step over Ukraine in 3 days. It's been a year. All they're doing is killing a civilian population. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And yep, and exactly. and they, it's a land grab. Who's going to be left? The Russians have lost over 200,000 lives. We lost 56,000 in Vietnam over 10 years. Mm. Wow. And and yeah. And and it's like why I get it. But I mean in this day and age, what 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 are you trying to accomplish? And of course, because there's the possibility of nuclear deterrent. I mean all these despots and 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 as America we oh, we want collectivism and all that. Really? Is that what you want? Right. When has that ever worked? <laughs> you know, the human spirit the individual being able to be who and what they are that's 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 i think the goal of all people it's so depressing i, I think the, the americans are just trying to get a diverse inclusive and equity equitable force together <laughs> properly trained with a diversity officer in the lead right and and they're going to make sure that only diverse russians are shot yeah to to paraphrase a favorite uh, there are no diverse people in foxholes. No. Right. No. I, I saw a hilarious meme the other day. It was like, if you want to avoid uh, uh, getting you're getting redrafted, like so in the military, you can get a, a stop contract to like stay in the military. All you got to do is just tell your commanding officer that you only believe in two genders, and he'll kick you out right away. Really? Oh, <laughs> that's what they said. Yeah. Was that? Wow. wow. You know, <laughs> I, I, the the, uh, the American military has more opportunity and more incentive to join than ever before. And they're having a problem recruiting. Yes, I saw that too. I saw. um... I I mean, they are willing more than ever. We have a recruitment crisis because one American kids are, and pardon my French, they're too fucking fat. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, they can't. Rob, you fat shaming. Hey, hey, I'm not fat shaming. I'm just saying you're too fucking fat to join the military. <laughs> right. You know, you and, be and, and and weight and body fat. Okay, I know. Right? I mean, right? how, it how, took me like three how weeks about the fact that, just to get in? I mean, the the human body is a machine. It's a biological machine. It's a machine, and like all machines, there's an optimal way it can work right and you have to you have to take care of it 
and feed it properly and and uh, it will work for you. And the military, uh, by necessity, needs the most functional human machines it can find. <laughs> right. And and now we can't find the recruits. And and it's like here's 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 a Star Trek future. Um, you know you know the thing about the Enterprise. The the most out of shape person was William Shatner in the third season of Star Trek. Right. <laughs> you know that was it. Even the Scotty was Star fit Trek back then. Yes, and and um, and uh, <laughs> you know the reason why people fat shame because you're gonna die. <laughs> And and I mean it's it's I don't understand it. I don't understand why the reality of our lives. There's nothing wrong with acknowledging reality. What was the the uh, Wally? The report that came out also mentioned the second problem they have with recruitment is that the recruits and the recruiting process when it comes time to sign, they're they're overly concerned with well, is anything going to happen to me? How safe is that? Not very safe. That's true. I read the, I read this article that that Rob's talking about. It was the report yeah. on yeah. Uh, the recruiting problem, and the, and Rob's absolutely hundred percent right. That was problem number one, and then problem number uh, two was. Uh, was and number three concerns. was: Is there Wi-Fi? Is there Wi-Fi? <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, in the California uh, recruitment Instagram, like I follow the Instagram because my buddy's still in the military. So the Army Instagram account for like the recruitment agency, they posted uh, a picture of a guy, and then you find it. A guy in like uh, like spinning one of those signs on the street in California, and he's like, "We approach this guy and offer him thirty thousand dollars and uh, a four year contract um, if he would sign up right right now." It's one hundred and seven degrees of that guy outside, and the guy said, "F you." Wow. <laughs> he said, "I'm gonna rethink my entire career after today." Well, I mean, the bottom line is, and Ukraine sees it too. War is awful. It's brutal. Uh, my dad was a, uh, a navigator on a Caproni bomber flying for the Hungarian Air Force on the Russian front. And the stories he finally told before his death are beyond anything you could imagine. Yeah. It, there's nothing good about it. And there's nothing good about what's happening in, in Ukraine. And, and the Russian people know nothing about what's going on. I wish there was a way to stop it sooner i mean it, it's now about killing civilians it's literally murdering innocent but that's what the russians were all about yeah yeah, yeah. Isn't, isn't, i mean they've always done that that's their tactic nothing we had anymore so super jab from uh, jeremy snyder okay the balloons might not be aliens however has anyone thought it could be skynet or cylons <laughs> cylons i'll go with cylons i'll go with cylons cylons for sure cylons they'd use drone they'd you, use dr- uh, swarm drone technology Excellent. Right. They, they, they have sub they have microscopic drones that fly into your ear, uh, go into your brain, a little bit of a shock, you're dead. Mm. I mean, wait, swarm technology's coming, command. man. It's coming. It's coming. By Rob. Very, command. very interesting. All right, let's move on to the next one, guys, since we've uh, worn out these balloons. Unless uh, JP, you didn't get to say anything. You want to say anything? I want to say that I bet you dollars to donuts. I don't know what that phrase even means at this point that we're going to be seeing a lot of balloon stuff going on in television and movies for the next couple of years. (laughs) Yeah, the poll ended and 33% of our chat believe it's aliens. Oh, really? 
Thing is, I want it to be. Yeah, I sort of want it to be. be? It'd be cooler. I want Clatu to land on the mall, you know, and go up into the Capitol, or better yet, the candidates to land at the United Nations and deliver their book to serve man. Oh, it's a cookbook. It's a cookbook. No, no, it's going to be real. I don't know if I'd want to follow aliens that have land on top of uh, Burbank Wall. I want them to land on Walt Disney Studios executive corporate office right on the <laughs> Well, they better not land on the giant they're, magical uh, uh, Mickey statue because then it'll pop on the head. They're only making themselves known because they're pissed off at Star Wars. They're like, come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's see. We've got during the Super Bowl, if you guys all watched it, we got our first look at June's uh, Flash movie trailer. Inspired by the Flashpoint comic book event of 2011, the speedster moves so fast that he changes the timeline, creating an alternate reality. We get Michael Keaton delivering the classic I'm Batman line after 30 years. We see two Barry Allens and a Supergirl costume reveal as she flies alongside Batwing. James Gunn said the James Gunn, the new co-head of DC Studios, is calling this one of the best superhero movies he's ever seen. And one would think that after Guardians of the Galaxy, The Suicide Squad, and Peacemaker, he's qualified to make that call. But what do you guys think? Is The Flash the start of the golden age for DC in cinema and streaming? Or will the firing of Henry Cavill sit over DC's new game plan like an awaiting guillotine? Well, so uh, let's go with JP. I don't care. I, I, I like Henry, Henry as a dude. He just seems like a cool dude. I don't need him to play Superman because whoever plays Superman, I'm just looking at Superman. I'm not looking at the the actor playing it. Just like I don't care about Ezra Miller's problems because I'm not watching Ezra Miller. I'm watching The Flash and sell, and supporting the thousands of people that worked on the film as opposed to boycotting the one guy that's in the film. Um, I don't know if there's a golden age of any of these franchises ever again. I'm very much looking forward to to this movie because I think Flashpoint is one of the best stories out there when it comes yep, to I agree. comics. But um, I don't know if there's ever going to be a golden age again. I think that we we that's back in the comic book days at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. There's so much superhero stuff and, and I'm loving it, most of it, but it just seems like the most popular type of movie to make right now. I don't know if they're going to be able to to really change the world with it but i'm looking forward to having an amazing two plus hour experience with with the film excellent paul what did you think of the of the trailer and uh, i thought the flash trailer was good yeah it was Um, great better than indiana jones yeah Uh, even with all the baggage of ezra um and i try to put that aside because i completely understand what the executives are doing. I've had to work with alcoholic stars that could barely be poured into the set to give their lines. People have no idea what goes on out there. Okay. So when they're trying to get Ezra cleaned up and begging her, begging him to just like, like stop with this stupid shit. I totally, I'm actually quite sympathetic because I've gone through this. Uh, not quite the same. And, and it wasn't me I'm just trying to tell you that was, wasn't me. That's what I said. And uh, <laughs> and so you know, on one level, on a human level, if Ezra actually does clean up, clean himself up, I'm actually quite happy. Like it, it, we need to be happy when people yeah. get to fix the bullshit of their lives. There's nothing wrong with that. So there's mm-hmm. a redemption potential, redemption story in there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a very entertaining uh, trailer. Will it save the world? No, but uh, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to a, a good superhero movie. Oh yeah. Excellent. Rob, we're uh, when, when Michael Keaton came on and said, Oh yeah. Batman. Oh, what kind of moment was that for Ooh. you? Well, Okay. First of all, I love the the Flash trailer. I thought it was great. I lost and it. and and you know everyone's saying like, well, it's 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 like you know Ezra Miller, they're like uh, Peter Parker in uh, No Way Home. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Flashpoint came out what 15, 20 years ago. I don't remember when the comic came yeah. out. I have it. Uh, you know, it's right on the shelves over there. Um, Early nineties. I like this. I like the story. I don't think it was. It was odd. I think it was. Too, it, it led into the new fifty two. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It was early two thousands. Actually, I think. Yeah. I think Flashpoint. And one of the things I loved about the Flashpoint universe was that the Atlanteans and the Amazons were at war. Yes. You know, which I thought was great. And and uh, I don't know if they're going to touch on that. I and know it was that Thomas Wayne think, instead of Bruce Wayne. Yeah, yeah. And Aquaman and I mean, I I think Aquaman and Wonder Woman were in Flashpoint. And they've cut them out. I mean, uh, in the Flash, but I think Wonder Woman's still in out. it. Okay, she might be because there's a pop figure of her. Yes, um, and I how how stoked am I that I have the uh, the Zod hot toy? Ooh, right, I'm yeah. very excited yeah. about that. Uh, I'm like, yeah, um, but no, I I, I this it, it, this looked really interesting, and I'll tell you why. What I really liked about this, and in the trailer, it sums it up. Why why do you want to save this universe? Because this is the universe that my mom is. Ooh, in. I like that, mom. you know, and and that is. Look, I think the problem with superhero films is they're limited by the genre itself. Yep. There 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 is not a lot of the the Watchmen, unfortunately Watchmen already came out. And I think one of the problems with Watchmen was Watchmen was a comment on the medium of comic books. Right. And if you read issue 5 of Watchmen, it was the same forward as it was backwards in terms of its panel design. Mm-hmm. And they did some really interesting things about commenting on the medium of comic books and comic book heroes. The thing is, if you were to make a Watchmen movie now, you would your the Watchmen movie would have been about our society inundated with comic book films. Because in the hmm. Watchmen universe, there are no superhero comics. That's why a character is reading a a pirate comic, you know, the tales right. of the black freighter. I love Watchmen. I'm a huge mm-hmm. Watchmen acolyte. Yeah. I probably read the graphic novel 50 I didn't times. like the TV and show, but yeah. The TV show is, by the way, one of the weirdest genre TV shows ever yes. made. That show is wacky. Wacky. I mean, it was, and, and again, I, I don't think there's a better example of, it, it's so funny because um, um, it's not Kurtzman, it's, um, you know who who Damon Lindelof, and and so the Watchmen comic has the 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 Doomsday Clock counting down to zero. It's about the nuclear apocalypse, the end of humanity. So Lindelof says, no, the greatest threat th- th- facing humanity now is racism. Right, and like Not he's, the Doomsday that's Clock. What he's saying, yeah, that's what he's saying in interviews. The Doomsday like, Clock. <laughs> Racism as opposed to nuclear. And, and what's funny is. I'm like, have you traveled around the world? Like, have you gone Wild. to? We're like the least racist country on the planet <laughs> Earth. Oh my god! And and, and, and it, it's like we are a melting pot of people. We're like, give us your tired, you know, your your whatever. Come your to America. <laughs> anybody, yeah, right. Anybody yeah. can do. Any, and by the way, anybody who knows anything, dating a Mexican girl is awesome. So I'm just saying, we all married and, one. And, well, so you know. Um, uh, 
it, it is so crazy that our country is gripped in this whole we need reparations, the 16, 14, whatever, the movement. It's like, have you people get a passport? please travel around the world and see what the rest of the world is like. Would you please do that? Because this country, I do not know what has happened to America, but man, we have a lot of really uneducated people that have never been around the world. Bunch because of if they had, young people is what we yeah, have. Universities would have. Wow. We, the balloons, we got wow. well, that's why we need great hero. That's why we need great hero stories. The truth well, just as yeah, American and, way, Superman. And I think I've lost the, point i was trying to make <laughs> I died right, but, but but that, that's what i heard let's talk about that um but because uh, it's there's no there's no downside or the downs you have a and when there is a downside it's here. awesome just saying but um no i, I think that you know they're I, like candles okay they're they're they look all great they smell great but if you ignore them too long they'll burn down your house that's yes, absolutely and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that you got insurance. <laughs> I don't ignore my wife. <laughs> no, but 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 I do think that that the the comic book movie, um, I'm excited for it. To me, comic book characters are they're like uh, take your your cop movies, you know, whether it's Dirty Harry, whether it's Serpico, whether it's To Live and Die in L.A. or The French Connection, or whether it's westerns, mm. you know, whether it's Shane, whether it's The Searchers, mm. whether it's High Noon. Pick your genre. The superhero genre is the same kind of thing. Now, we used to be inundated. No one remembers this because we were not born yet. But the Western genre dominated. Yeah, Star Trek. Wagon train to the stars. That's how That's what it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how I sold it. And, and the superhero genre is now that same thing. That heroic genre, whether there's too much of it or not, I don't know. But but I think I thought The Flash, that was a banger of a trailer. It was a banger of a trailer. And... and and when that can't, when you see Michael Keaton's face, and they could have cut her, they could have cut right into it when he just says it. No, they waited. Mm-hmm. The, the trailer literally stops, takes a beat, and then the camera pushes in. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. Yes. I mean, look, this is the most ridiculously like fan service. Yeah. Give me what I want, but I'm there for I, it. I want it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, all with him. Give it to me now. <laughs> and, and and as long as it's look, give me a great story. Right. Give me great characters and a great story. And in the word around town living in Hollywood, I have heard nothing uh over the last year, and I've heard it from very disparate parts of the industry. People that work in visual effects, people that work in post, now people like James Gunn, everyone has said this movie is great, mm-hmm. which is why uh, Ezra Miller's uh, their troubles were such that they they were so problematic because everyone talked about how great the movie is. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I'm gonna stop you there again because I, I saw you struggling with the pronouns. Um, the movie actually, <laughs> the movie actually worked for uh, actually worked for me in one moment because mm-hmm. I've been struggling with his, with Ezra's pronouns for like the last year. You can't talk about the Flash. You say he, right? And then when you talk about Ezra Miller. It's there. Yeah, it's very difficult. And when you're t- on the John Campy show, I've been wrestling with this. Yes. And in the in trailer, the movie, they solve the yes, problem. They solve the problem because they just introduced two flashes and now everyone's referring to the flash as they and them. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> they did that on purpose. Uh, I mean, when, when they the, did that for them when, on purpose. When the feet came together, bro, I was like, our mom. I was like, okay, this works. <laughs> this is how you solve the now problem. Everyone and understands. All the reviewers aren't going to have an issue. Right. 
Okay, so then everyone that wants to use those pronouns has to clone them. <laughs> First of all, can we come up with something new? That's bad language. Got, yeah, it's got to be a better name for it than they. Then. I mean, it's Strunk and White, the elements yeah. of style, one of the core writing tomes that every. By the way, people probably look. You know what I learned in public school? I had my Strunk. That and was White one of comics. the best best books out there, ever. Yeah, right? What is Absolutely. writing? <laughs> oh, but yeah, I, 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 flash, I, I, you, you had your Strunk and White. Strunk and White would not be down with the bastardization of oh, no. language to fit someone's agenda. Yeah, of course not. Amen. Of course not. And I, I love that book. I live by I that did book. Too. I had that open all the time. I was following it constantly. Grammar. Yeah. That's Stephen really King's Bible. And, and small. Yeah. And reporters. I mean, not because I was a reporter also. Uh, that, that was a very important. You, you got that handed to you when you were. Paul, I think you and I, everyone's looking at us going, Strunk and White, what are you talking it's old, about? Yes. <laughs> it is the elements. First of all, it's it's timeless. Yeah. The elements of style is one of the cornerstones of Eng the English language. It is, yeah. By the way, I always mention books. People are like, I love, I want to go get that. I'm not mentioning a science fiction novel. <laughs> right now, I'm telling you, Strunk and White's The Elements it of is Style. It is this big, get it. that thin. You will get through it quickly. It is not a burden. Yes, put it in your toolbox. Use it. Yes, be you will be a better writer. Be a better writer, hundred yeah. percent. So Mexican Iron. Why do you have to? Like, we got Chat GPT. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't want to get into that yeah. one. Chateau, Chateau GPT. <laughs> <laughs> Mexican Iron Man. So uh, I know you're on the Marvel side of things here, being Iron Man and all. But no, no, actually, that's funny because I got named Mexican Iron Man because that's the name that me and Doomcock came up with like five, four years mm -hmm. ago or something like that. But. There's only two Marvel characters I like. Bar Iron Man was one. Doctor Doctor Strange is really my favorite. Those are the only books I read. I grew up a DC yep. guy. Brian knows this because we talked about DC yeah. stuff for two and a half hours over lunch uh, when we met in L.A. Uh, last too. month. But I grew up a DC guy. So I have painfully endured all of the woes of Warner Brothers over these last many decades. The ups, the downs. Mike's a reformed Snyder, bro. Whatnot. I, I'm a, I'm a reformed Snyder fan, and you know when nice. I say reformed, I mean I was one of those. I mean I'm not saying like with Rob when Rob says, "Oh, I appreciate the movie and this and this," and Rob has a very sensible way of approach. No, I was I absolutely off the wagon of Snyder a holland. I love I mean, those colors, I was, Rob. The bleed white. Oh, look at that! He's got his. The this Iron is Man the face. greatest gift I ever received from Mike. <laughs> I've never received a better gift than this. Ever. It looks like a uh, halter top with a boob adjustment. <laughs> Th this, this, this is a hot toy. It is a modified hot toy, and if I may, because this is too good. Oh, I want to see, see it. it. I want to see it. Yeah, I'm. I'm more of a Marvel person. I, I fell in. I saw Rob on a show a year and a half ago uh, on the hot toys that he did with Az, and uh, he and I sent a super chat in, and uh, he said I'd love a Mexican Iron Man hot toy, so I commissioned Andy Masterson to uh, to to uh, to make three. Wow, There's hot, one nice. Okay, now this is the actual die cast. Now the Mexican colors yes. painted and all that, but here's the best part: it comes with an. Iron oh, <laughs> <laughs> That's the shit. That Does he throw it? It's got a it's got a uh, it's got a uh, magnet oh in it. I mean, god. are you kidding me? Oh my me? god, I want Damn, one bro. of those now. That Damn is it. Awesome. Mike? 
No, I think it's probably. I think I think that it's probably uh, out of battery power. But the stand, if you're a Hot Toys fan, the stand was modified. Ooh, right, and it has voice activated. Oh, dang. Let's see. Yeah, yeah, I th- yeah. I should do a video and show on. it off. Yeah, put it on my chat. But yeah, no. So I'm. Yeah, a, it's I grew dead. Up it's Brothers. Mike's voice. Is take the, out is the battery the so yeah. it doesn't leak. Well, it's it's a USB oh, battery. Okay. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my voice saying <laughs> it's the best. It's the greatest thing I I own. So the the guy, this guy named Mark S, clip all clipped me on Midnight Edge for six months and put about twenty different sounds on it. But I'm a DC guy, and I was kind of uh, turned off and turned down. I freaking mm. love that trailer. Yep. I thought it was well executed. Beautiful. I thought it was well edited, and. Uh, I'm excited to see this movie. I have to say, I, I I'm all in. I am all in. I cannot wait. I'm going to buy advance tickets. I'm yeah, I'm saying. I'm going all in, baby. I'm I'm, I'm bringing I mean, people. Sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah, get out of my way because I will be at that theater yeah. 20 minutes early, and I will be, yeah. you know, front center IMAX yep. large. Yeah, same here. So uh, it's supposed to be great. In 4D, if I can see it in yeah, 4DX, 4DX like, is where well, you want to go. I, I saw Black my... Adam in 4DX, and I, it was like riding a roller coaster for two hours. It was. I was at the end of it. I was Ryan, wet and I was 4DX, sweaty. Like... I was like, I don't know what happened. Hmm. Yeah, at, at this point, uh, 4DX is the way to or go. Superhero stuff. Probably you don't want to watch the Notebook in like 4DX. Hours. That's just like what, <laughs> raining for two and a half hours. Are you kidding? Every kiss, you'd feel it. <laughs> I'm talking about being sweaty afterwards. Come on now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Rob, you're so you're you're very kind. Thank you very much. Bro, I got kidding me. It's one of the greatest things I own. Let me ask got, you guys a question. And I I I don't. I, this is not facetious. Somebody to make something to have something commissioned for mm. you, you know, it's who, who's who. Uh, there's three of these in the world. That's true. I'm, I'm a little crazy. jealous, to be honest with you. Soon there's gonna be four. The I'm, thing is, it's I'm really be well done. Iron Man for another one of those. Yeah. Listen, let me ask you guys a question. So if 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 the Flash is successful, what? Beyond this, will it take for DC to finally take the reins from Marvel? What do you guys think? Let's oh, go. Keep James Gunn. Keep James Gunn. A decade of success. I mean, right now the I think the the bar is lowering because I'm, the MCU right now is. I know we're going to talk about the later, but it's, it's pretty it's pretty rough. Uh, nothing has been. I mean, I guess something things have been financially successful, but nothing has been like audience level successful for since you know the entire phase. So even if Quantum Mania is awesome, that's like really sort of the end of the lab of the last phase. Anyways, everything new has been really bad. So this is their time to step it up and get in there. But then there's so much drama surrounding it that like James Gunn has to come in and go, I'm going to reboot it. But then what he does really does is he soft reboots it and brings in a bunch of crazy characters, which is such a James Gunn thing to do. So good on him. But a lot of people are, of course, they're a little shaken by it. Like, I don't understand why. You're not mentioning any of the core characters, but we're talking about creature commandos. I want to see that, but I know a lot of normies don't understand why that's important. It's important to James Gunn, so he's got to prove he's got to like just knock it out of the park for a few movies for it to be a real thing. Yeah, and talking about the core, we've done that over and over and over again. And there's such a huge expanded world of other right. even more interesting characters in some in some cases. But with James Gunn, I don't know. What it is, everything he touches, I like. Yep, same. With, with the superhero wor- world. I, I was saying on Twitter that he should take over both Marvel and DC together. <laughs> Just do them both, compete and, against and, themselves. And I did a video where I basically said he is taking over Marvel because Marvel has been so lackluster. 
he's putting them on his shoulders also. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he succeeds, then potentially Marvel succeeds. His uh, the 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 uh, pressure on him is enormous because yeah. it's not just DC; it's all you know the the, the entire genre of all superhero movies right. is and now. The new Guardians trailer, I lo- I love that. Yeah, that too, yeah, yeah, so that that looks like it's going to be a nice final hurrah. Anyone else think it's weird though that he's doing the Authority, which has like uh, copies of Superman and Batman, like knockoff versions of Superman and Batman, and he, that's going to be the one of his big movies. But he's not doing a Superman or Batman. Uh, he, well, he he will. I mean, we just don't know. We don't know everything that he's doing. He just okay. That's uh, true. What he's what he was trying to do, and I said this already. He's trying to lower expectations. We don't no. need. We don't need to blow everything up to Superman versus you know uh, Batman v Superman and go sure. oh, okay that was horrible. He he can't afford that. But you know right now initially if we see some more um, uh, peacemakers that's funny and mm-hmm. and works and I'm enjoying myself. It actually feels like I'm going back to the you know Cole cigar store and sitting on the you know on the shelf hiding from the owner <laughs> reading comics. Like yes, I, I want the simple yeah. comic life. I want everything to return to human level. I'd love to see a 1940s yeah. Batman where he's just dealing with mm-hmm. hoods and stuff and solving crimes. You know, everything needs to be reduced. Every single bad guy can't be of galactic compor- yeah. uh, proportions. Mm. Well, I think this Flash movie is going to give the psychotic people like me, because, Paul, you were on a live stream where we reacted, and I was pretty emotional about, like, damn it, I want one yeah. of the big three or, you know, four or five. I know you're how you yada, feel. Yada, yada. I, think what, I think the release of this movie, what it's going to do is it's going to placate those of us that because Flashpoint is pretty well known by anyone mm-hmm. who's a DC head. Yeah, yeah. I Flashpoint mean, Brian, super well known, I mean, yeah. like, like, I mean, if you if you don't know Flashpoint, then you'd argue that you must have fallen off the DC wagon. Yeah, like, it's one of the most it's one of the most famous stories. Yeah, <laughs> and the the animated so film they did is pretty good too. Right, right. I think I think what's going to happen is that this is going to provide that buffer where you're going to get your little fix of your of your banner type characters like you were talking paul yeah. and now that creates the air of oxygen so that now he can do the things he did look i did, i went in a peacemaker kicking screaming negative pessimistic i hate this actor he's pro china la 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 son of a gun i freaking love that thing and oh I his can't wait for his dad for was a mess and Guardians of the Galaxy, because I'm not a Marvel guy, I, I didn't know who the hell they were. Dad. I had to call my, my sister. What a piece of shit he was. Yeah, I didn't, know who Guardians of, yeah, I didn't even know yeah. who Guardians of the Galaxy was. I mean, in those two movies, the, God, the I love The property them. I wish Gunn would do, which for me was the greatest comic book series of all time, was the uh, uh, the Fantastic Four Galacticus oh, yes. uh, arc. That, to me... It didn't go through time. It was legendary. Ben Grimm lost his girlfriend to the Silver Surfer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was crying reading. Oh, my God. You know, <laughs> he lost his uh, blind girl to the. She falls in love with the Silver Surfer because he doesn't, you know, doesn't treating her properly. I thought there were scenes in there that were aren't in, in comics. The, at the end of the, the, the two movies that came out with uh, Alba, they were setting up like a Galactus thing. But they, yeah, but they didn't do it right. Right. That's true. They, that, that to me is one of the greatest comic book series next to the Dark Knight. I mean, it's just a fantastic series, and I wish someone would do that right. We got a super chat from Atheist for the Cause. Are superhero movies in competition with sci-fi, or do the genres complement each other? JP, 
complement each other. Yeah. I I, if I could, I would watch a great superhero movie, a great sci-fi movie, and then go back and forth. And fantasy. I'd watch also throwing a good yes. fantasy. Oh, as long yeah. as, as, long as the, the, the trolls or whatever don't have English accents. <laughs> uh, and, Robert, I mean, and I don't mean England. I mean American accents. Right. Robert, do you remember that comic where Superman was thrown back in time because of uh, Savage? And he had to, and he had no super, Vandal Savage. Yeah, Vandal said he had no superpowers. And it was like a fantasy. He had a sword, and he had to kill a mountain yep. lion, lion. That was awesome. Why? Well, look, I mean, I, I think that the superhero genre is kind of inherently science fiction. Hmm. You know, in a way, mm-hmm. um, but but mostly it's more akin to the Greek myths. You know, hmm. the the or, or stories like Gilgamesh or something. And I. Which I love, you know, which I love those things. But I think, look, to me, I think Infinity War and Endgame are two of the most unbelievably entertaining movies mm-hmm. I've ever seen in my I agree. life. Yeah. As somebody who loves comic books and loves those crossovers and grew up with those characters, I mean, despite the fact that it opens with, with Doctor Strange and Iron Man going at each other about Ben and Jerry's ice cream. <laughs> You know, it's uh, the humor, the the way that when the Marvel Cinematic Universe was working well, it was working at the top of its game. And Infinity War to me is the pinnacle, right? Of now, now you could say Captain America: Winter Soldier is probably the best Marvel movie, but to me, Infinity War is it embodies everything I love about comic books, right? Endgame to a certain extent, but Endgame gets a little bit more plot heavy, and you, you, it, it, it made me question things. But, you know, the superhero genre and the science fiction genre, here's the thing. I think that the science fiction genre has been underserved. There are not a lot of, like, I think about the great science fiction films of the 21st century. Gattaca, mm. Children of Men, Her, yeah, uh, Her with- Aniara, uh, you know, if you've seen that Swedish film. Um, th- those... Movies that a movie that kills me, kills me that no one's ever seen. Never let me go. That Mark Romanek directed. That's based on the book. Never let me go. Uh, the best, the best story about clones ever made. Mm-hmm. You, it will leave you weeping if you. And it has an incredible cast. Andrew Garfield is in it. Kira Knightley is in it. It's and no one's ever seen it. And it's so funny because I read the book. Uh, by was it Kaiju Ish- Ishiguro? How do you pronounce his first? I don't remember. But that book, you know, I went and saw that movie opening night, first show at the ArcLight here in LA. No one was in the theater, and I was sitting behind these two women, the middle-aged women or maybe older women. And look, I was weeping at the end. Charlotte Rampling's in the movie. I'm weeping at the end of this movie, and and I w- walked down. They sat sat there, and we're the only three people left in the theater, and. As I'm walking out, these women are like, I can't believe anyone made that. That was the most terrible movie. That was the most depressing, horrible movie I've ever seen. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And there was nobody around, thank God, because I was weeping. But it's all about clones. Let me tell you, it knew a lot more about cloning than um, uh, uh, Bruce Logan, who wrote Star or, or John, pardon me, John Logan, who run uh, Bruce Logan's a cinematographer. John Logan, who wrote Star Trek Nemesis, with Shinzon, oh, yeah. the clone of Picard, it knew a lot more about cloning than Nemesis did. Mm. And uh, John Logan's an Academy Award winner. Mm-hmm. So, 
anyway. But I think that science fiction is being underserved. And I'll tell you, let me tell you, a lot of people don't know this. Um, one of the great science fiction novels of the last 10 years is uh, Shin Lu's The Three-Body Problem. Oh, oh Three-Body. Yeah. Um, I saw you talking that. about that. Okay, The Three-Body Problem is it's the first in a series of three books. Um, the Chinese, so Weiss and Benioff, who did Game of Thrones, are adapting The Three-Body Problem. But the Chinese beat him to the punch. And there are 30 episodes of The Three-Body Problem from Tencent for free on YouTube right mm. now. So the first book was adapted into 30 episodes. And admittedly, you know, it's subtitled and it's very modern Chinese and that there's a lot of love songs with musical montages. But it is hard, hard, hard science fiction. Mm. And um, the three body, and it deals with extraterrestrials and it's fascinating. And the adaptation is great. So if you guys, my favorite thing right now in science fiction is the Chinese adaptation of the three body problem. It's on YouTube. It's free. And uh, it's on the 10 cent channel. Mm. Now they're releasing like four episodes a week, but I think they're already up. And when was the last time a, a science fiction novel got 30 hours to adapt wow. in one book? No way. So it's doing a real deep dive. And if you haven't seen it, I mean, if you haven't read the book, I mean, the book was a Hugo Award winner. It's pretty amazing. And the show is really well done. Um, but it is very, again, you have to deal with the musical themes. And well, the, look, eh, look what they good. did with Foundation. That was like a disaster. Yeah, it was. What was that? Found, I didn't see the Foundation in the Foundation. What? Uh, the Foundation was such a disappointment because Osimo was my like favorite author of all time. But that's a very difficult. You can't. You can't shoot the first book only the last two and the yeah. when the uh uh the not the dog the mule once the mule's in then you can then you got stories you can write but yeah. uh, edge of tomorrow i thought was a good science fiction movie yeah man that movie so yeah, they, they named it the wrong bad title though hey all you need is kill the original yeah. title what of the manga doing? i have the i have the japanese steelbook but that's the oh, title of the movie in Japan. isn't it a korean story no, it's Japanese. It's Japanese, okay. Yeah. Great, great, great. They didn't need to change the title. Anyways, real quick, uh, Super Chat, Ross. That movie is so good, oh, though. I've seen it many times. Yeah. It's so, it, it's beautifully made. Even the English ver- English title before they changed it, it didn't was make like, any live, money. Live, die, repeat. That would have been better, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah Ross Dogg's Broken Spirit says, my two favorite YouTube personalities, Mexican Iron Man and Robert Meyer Burnett. Loving Fuck this. you. Well, I like the pod- <laughs> podcast guys. Yeah, what's up? With I that? mean, Paul Chata, re- he he was the guy that came in. Yeah. He was the the, the latecomer that became a success. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But Denison, I was. I mean, I was doing. I, ta- uh, I was doing s- five years worth of uh, technology humor, which nobody liked. And I went, you know what? I was a network executive. Why don't I do something along those lines? <laughs> now I have to ask you because because uh, YouTube fascinates me because I've been on it f- now. Since 2015, April of 2015 will mark my eighth year on the platform. Wow. And uh, yeah, I know. I started I started when John Schnepp goes, hey, man, uh, you want to come down and do this uh, YouTube show? The original like, sweaty. Uh, yeah, and it was AMC Heroes. It was the sixth episode of AMC Heroes. It was April 
of 2015. I'm like, I, I, you know, I watch YouTube trailers. Robert, <laughs> Robert, YouTube. Was. I, have, I have his signed documentary, "The Death of Superman Lives." I have it signed. Oh, well, I'm glad you bought it because one of the things that depressed him most was all the people that no, stole I it. bought it, and then I went and struggled through a Comic Con line to get to his booth to get him to sign it. No, he was. I mean, the it was funny because on a Monday he came in and he said, "I don't." feel very good and on thursday he was oh gone. my wow. i know it was yeah it was, it was very it was, sudden and he was a day he was a day a day younger than i was that's always depressing he was born on may 16th i'm born on may 15th same year yeah it was it shocked the entire community he was wow. the original sweaty man he was he was he was amazing yeah um no he was an amazing guy but i don't even remember what i was saying I talk, now. you had a youtube around. question oh, oh i was uh, yeah i want to ask you youtube so you kind of came on the scene and I, I, I was unaware of you, and I watch a lot of YouTube. And then when you came on the scene, I couldn't get enough of oh, you. You're you know, your delivery, your iconography, all of it. I thought you did a great job and are still doing a great job. What made you – you were just telling us, I guess. What made you decide to come on to YouTube, and what do you think of your journey? Tell us about, like, what have you learned through your journey on the platform and now you've reached, you've reached, have you reached, you've reached 100,000 subscribers, I'm right? 300. I'm 3,000 short of uh, 100,000. Because, oh, I mean, I want that plaque. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to get Those the plaque. Yeah, Shane but, has the plaque behind him now. But I know you guys got that. But I'm curious. I mean, you, you came on and you came into that space and, and I've watched your videos and I really like them. And what has your journey on YouTube, especially in the last mm-hmm. year, been well, like? Well, so very quickly, I, uh, I, was well, I was an entertainer, comedian, sketch artist, network executive, and uh, uh, but I run a web development company, a fairly good sized one. And I thought YouTube was a good was a re- good replacement for blogging. I thought blogging was dead. Uh, I thought yeah. people should be vlogging, and I wanted to learn the medium. So that was my initial impetus to just get into it, and then. But uh, I was having fun. I know how to shoot stuff. I know how to direct. I know sound. I know lighting. I mean, I, I know all this stuff. Uh, but it was still, a, you know, a learning uh, experience. And I decided not to exploit my entertainment because, I, I mean, I, I didn't know there was any interest in entertainment news. And I thought, oh, I'm a Macintosh guy and I was with Apple and I have very good early stories of being hired by Apple and displaying their computers. And I was a booth babe. I'm a <laughs> super tech nerd. Okay? I was a booth like, babe too, bro. Super, super tech nerd. So I knew. Were you a CES show guy? Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, I did. Yeah. I did like, I did like 14 and CES not just shows. that, but uh, the Las Vegas. Um, NAB. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I was part of all of that. Um, uh, plus I, you know, we developed a security product that won uh, best security product in 2000 uh you know at ces so I, I was doing videos on on that but then the tech stuff started dying it was getting boring and i hackintoshing was no longer interesting because i did that for six years i built hackintoshes for six years and um and then i went i came up with this notion and and the thing is in terms of the journey uh i i'm not afraid to trying different things and blowing myself up right and which right. youtube hates right but i don't care 
Right. And then I came up with this idea, well, former network executive, as opposed to just rage tubing about something, I, I thought, <laughs> what? Rage I thought, right. why not talk to people about what a network executive is thinking? And and why I actually like this show you think is horrible. And I'll give you my reasoning for why it went green greenlit, even though it was horrible. It had a writer we trusted. It had a star attached, you know, with, you know, Eric, you know, it, you know. So there's a million reasons why we will green light a show that's got nothing to do with whether you like it or not. Right. And all yeah. I care about is its success. And my joke was um that uh, the most important part of my job was keeping my fucking job. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was it. And how did I keep my job within the hierarchy of the crazy Hollywood and, and CBC TV system? Yeah. On that point, you, you made a video that just blew up. That like there was that yeah. one video that just like blew up, and it was like I think yeah. everybody watched it on. Yeah, YouTube. it was it was about I did a couple, but the the big one was uh, uh, you know pop culture is ours. The nerds made it. We yeah. actually built. Oh yeah, yeah. We actually built the software. You're fucking around. Sorry, yeah, that right. you're screwing up. We <laughs> built all this stuff. This is ours. It's not yours. Anyway, you know that. That's that was like that was. A, I, that, I remember that video. That, that was a great. That yeah, one blew up, video. and then now I'm I'm doing this and enjoying myself and philosophizing. Well, what I find really interesting is all of us here. There's a community, and there's a community like I was a big Midnight's Edge fan. Before I didn't know those guys, you know, I was watching. They found me. Uh, yeah, and I think I was watching Gary. You know, Gary Beekler, Nerdrotic. I've known Chris Gore for over thirty years. Nice guy. And and yeah, and then I was watching people like I really loved Chris Stuckman's mm -hmm. reviews, and um, I love the Critical Drinker. Yeah. And I think I go all the way back to Red Letter Media when I watched their Generations reviews. That was the first time I knew who Plinkett was. That Generations review is thirty minutes long. I've watched that review like fifty times. <laughs> they when they were ripping on Star Trek, I'm like, oh my god, these guys totally get it. And then when they did First Contact and Insurrection and Nemesis, but it was the prequel reviews. Mm -hmm. It was Red Letter Media's prequel reviews. I'm like. Then I realized just how smart those guys. Mike, Mike's a genius. I mean, in terms of story analysis, and 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 I think that in Doomcock, to a certain extent, Plinkett was the first person that had this alter ego that I remember mm -hmm. seeing. Yeah. And I think Doomcock follows in that in that tradition, and and the Critical Drinker does, you know. And and I think that's a way, again, in a way that allegorical science fiction makes people consider things they might not think if it was in a political arena. It's in a science fiction show, so they'll watch the monsters will do on Maple Street and think about what it means. And I, I liked all that, so that's why I, you know when when people say you and Doomcock have beef, I'm like, no, 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 I understand. I get it's it's a tradition of YouTube pundits that I have liked, mm. and I watched Doomcock for a long time, and um, I you know I love the platform because it's like it's like an ongoing, endless science fiction convention. Yes. Mm. 24-7, yeah. seven days a week. And that's what my experience of going to cons mm. was like as a kid. You know, yeah. I remember 1984, I saved up money and I went to the World Science Fiction Convention in Anaheim, California. My friend Shade and I took a two-week road trip. I was It was between my junior and senior year in high school. And we were going to the 42nd World Science Fiction Convention. I'd <laughs> never been to a... 
it was in, it was in Anaheim here here in California, and I I met Carrie O'Quinn, the publisher of Starlog, and he and I and some other dude talked in front of an elevator, like in the hall of the hotel, <laughs> for like four hours. Jeez. And I'm like, this is the greatest, this science fiction convention is the greatest thing I've ever been at in my entire life. We talked about The Prisoner. We talked about Anne Rand. And I talked about reading Anthem. You know, now, like, Anne Rand, everyone hates her. But, man, I read, I, I was totally an objectivist in high school. I'm like, Atlas Shrugged and The Fountainhead. These are my Bibles. <laughs> you, you, know, know, nowadays, you must have liked would... Rush then. Oh, 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 my God. <laughs> well, you mean Rush Limbaugh? No, no, Rush the band. Okay, all the lyrics dude, were from Main Dude, Rand. all the lyrics were, I was going to say, because I, when I saw I Love You, Man, and you know, they have you seen oh, I Love yeah. You, Man, the movie I love? Yeah. Okay. Okay, don't say anything. You need to watch, you brought up Rush. <laughs> 2112, 2112 was like, it's a sci-fi record, yes. like sticks is the grand yes. illusion. And I, you had to. But you need you need to watch the movie. Okay, I love I, I've got it listed. Yes, you know I, I remember when Permanent <laughs> Waves came out. You know I think I was. I mean Rush was a mainstay. I mean Getty Lee, come yeah. on, his voice. They, uh, oh they, my the God. first <laughs> iteration of that band played at my high school, Don Mills Collegiate. Oh with well, the drummer. Uh, I'm a, a huge. <laughs> they oh, weren't quite as good oh. back then. Shout out to him. I will. I will if I see Getty, I will say, uh, I will say hi. We're going to get you guys in the room, and but, I'm but, working yeah, on it. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. You guys are like, I don't know. I remember back in 1943 when we were doing I know. We're like, oh, my God. When I was a kid walking through the snow for 20 miles. Speaking of old men, we're going to bring in Matthew Kadish. Oh, bring in the old guy. Not not only, you know, is this a continuous science fiction convention, people are looking to us for truth and reality that they're not getting from the mainstream media press. Well said. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and uh, that is what is the most interesting. And that's been the most gratifying for me because everything that I've tried to do has been honest. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, I'm not bought by anyone. Uh, you know, I got to know you through free enterprise. I have, to, I have to admit being one well, a, a huge you. fan of that movie, howled <laughs> myself to death. It's going to be 25 years old wow. this year. Shatner Dang. reading wow. porn in a store. And I was like, hey, it was just so funny. <laughs> and you know what's funny about that? We were all working. So we were all working on this magazine called Sci-Fi Universe that was published by Larry Flint. Yes. Oh, wow. And, and Chic, we were able to license all this mag. He's like, yeah, whatever. And, and there were two magazines. There was Chic and a magazine called Rage that we we were able to and i think uh, there was one other and um it was so funny cuz i kind of felt bad that there was Shatner in a bookstore you know in a bookstore a real bookstore in, in LA called the Iliad mm. it was right next to Odyssey books <laughs> <laughs> and that's where nice. we had it swear to god swear to very, god very, and very um, terrific movie just and and i would encourage anyone who hasn't heard of it a show called prisoners of gravity which was uh, on TVO up here. It is the precursor for of everything that we're doing right now. Rick Green was hosting it. Mark Asquith was uh, the producer of it. Uh, there are phenomenal footage of Jack Kirby of of um, mm. uh, uh, you know uh, the guy who did The Watchmen. Um, Alan, Alan Moore, Moore or Dave Gibbons. Uh, just uh, you know, uh, just the most fantastic interviews you could. Uh, Ursula K. Le Guin. 
I mean, who, by the way, Star Trek Strange New Worlds ripped yes, off. I know. I, those who walk away from Umlauts, yes. and here's the thing. Uh, Alex Kurtzman was like, yes, we were very inspired. By, inspired? <laughs> you stole no, her story no. without accreditation. Yep. Right? And, and stole a DC Fontana. Oh, no, he gave DC Fontana a bit of a credit on that one. Right, yeah. Did he? Yes. Yeah, at the very well, beginning. The, the, the entire backstory of Re- Re- Rebecca Romaine's character of Una is stolen from her 1989 Star Trek novel, Burning Dreams. Oh, wow. Or no, pardon me. Wait, wait, hang on. Wait, that's not true. It was a DC Fontana. It's Vulcan's Glory. Okay, Vulcan. She wrote one Star Trek novel, <laughs> Burning Dreams, which is by Margaret Wanderer Bonanno, is what they stole Pike knowing his fate from. Ah. So Strange New Worlds, and, and people always say to me, well, Rob, you always told, you always wanted them to go back to Star Trek novels. Yeah, but I didn't think they would steal from them and <laughs> yeah, not credit the original writers. Yeah, give us and, a, and speaking so, of writer. So, so the idea of, of Pike knowing his fate, which mm. is stupid, yes, by the yeah, way, yeah. was stolen from the book Burning Dreams. Una's entire backstory yep. was stolen from Dorothy Fontana. And that episode when they go to the planet and the kids hooked up, they, they sacrifice. That, that is Ursula K. Le Guin's story, Those Who Walk wow. Away from Umlaus. And all of them deserve story credit for those episodes. 100%. 100%. All of them. And Rob, thank you for the transition into authors because we have author with us, Matthew Kadish from the Salty Nerd podca- Podcast. The Catman. Uh, he's wearing his Earthman Jack hat there. How you doing tonight, Matt? Doing good. Nice to see at least half the panel has been on my live stream well, in right. the past. Uh, JP, good wonderful to see, to see you again. Uh, had, had a little uh, Star Trek versus the Orville talk <laughs> awesome. long ago. And uh, Chateau GTP, I'm, I'm good. How you doing? I, I am the AI. <laughs> yes, you are. I, I, I just throw you questions and you come back with paragraphs of answers. <laughs> it's amazing. Great. Uh, Mike, nice hat. Love it. Bro, is this great or what? Now, I got to get going. Yes. And Mr. Meyer Burnett, good good to see you uh, slumming it. From this the is not Rangers. slumming. Did you just say slumming it? All right. Get him <laughs> off of here. I, I mean, I, I've got my look, man. Look what I got right here. That's right, baby. Terry Trek. Terry Trek. I got. I was wearing merch. I was wearing Terry Trek on the John Campy show. Just oh, you're that's awesome. I was wearing my shirt. Yeah. I I you know. I, by the way, if Paramount wants to make me a paid shill, please give me some money. Yeah. But up until now, I am oh not my a God, paid Rob, shill. That picture of Terry giving you money, I was laughing so hard. Okay, here's the thing. I want to take a picture of me and Terry at the premiere. Mm-hmm. At the after party, and it was Terry. Terry's like, "Oh, I got an idea." He pulls out. First of all, he pulls out his wallet, and it was very funny because he was like, "Going to give me some bills," and I'm like, "He's like Andrew Dice Clay. You only carry hundreds." I'm like, "What's it?" You know, and he hands them to me in that picture, and his expression is hilarious. It is great. Yeah, yeah. This is the one. So, it looks like yeah, you're like, "Hey." <laughs> <laughs> that was that was Terry's idea. That was that's and, hilarious. You know why? That's why he's a showrunner and a writer. Mm. And, your you know, face, your uh, face too. It looks like too. no one can see us, man. <laughs> just so everybody knows, Paramount wouldn't stoop to paying shills on YouTube. So just put that away. No studios do. Yeah, it just wouldn't so, happen, guys. Especially Rob. I don't think Paramount likes Rob very much. However, for diversity and inclusion, Mexican Iron Man will take a check. <laughs> yeah, one of the yeah, one of the favorite yeah. things. Yeah. When the Frantics went on the mm. road. And you would know this if you're entertainers, you would go to a city and the people who were interviewing you would not do any work. 
They would not read your bio, would not read stuff. <laughs> they knew nothing about you. You would go in and it was just terrible. And they would mm -hmm. always want some kind of publicity picture. And so Peter and I would do this thing where we would shake hands and pretend we're giving the, a car key to a person who's just driving away. <laughs> and they right. never got it like this. They would go, why are you doing that? Just take the picture. That's it was one of our favorite and, pictures. And people don't, there have been people like, you were paid off. <laughs> yeah. Like, Come on, yeah, really, man. Not you, think right. I, you think, I, you think a, a couple of hundies buys me off? Yeah, I felt, I felt bad because I, I retweeted with, I knew it. And then, like, there was like, no, that's the best thing in the world. I, that was the whole point. I know, but there was, was like three was, comments. Were like, oh, I submit. It's oh. a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> uh, I mean, first of all, if if someone's paying you under the table, you don't take a picture and put it on social media. <laughs> right. Rob, did no, no, you no, find they... the wad of cash that I put inside the Mexican Iron Man? No, figure? not yet. <laughs> I don't. You know what? I would leave no, it there because I don't want to change its mint status. You know what they need to do is they need to have like a community post fact check thing under that tweet saying, yes, R&B did receive money for his. Dude, I've been of, accused. Uh, I've been card. accused of stealing donor money. Like, what, do I have access to your bank account? Like, really? All the work that I've done uh, here it all is my favorite thing recently that's happened to me. There's a court case going on and I found out, found out that I've been accused of stealing these digital assets. Okay, right, it's what? a long story. I won't get into very it. long but story. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I was the one creating the digital assets, <laughs> and so so I said I I said hey, I need drives to copy my digital assets for you, mm. and and so this person I was copying for, ha I packed all copied all had all the digital assets, and I and they were in this person's office for six months. And I said every day, I said, you know, you should really uh, take these home because uh, everything we'd done on this project, all of it. Yeah. I'm a post-production supervisor. Just, a, just for reference, a digital asset can be something like a Stinger or anything, right? But they're huge. Like like the Stinger I yeah, made no, today the, for the, the show the, was the, 93 gigs. This was this was eight terabytes. Right. You can't email eight those terabytes now. of data. Uh, 30 oh. seconds is like almost 100 gigs. It was the entirety of every. By the way, I created all this stuff. So it was like everything I'd ever done for years, for like three years. One of the things I was accused of was not what I found out in, 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 in deposit, which I didn't know. I was sued over this. I found out that this person that was suing me actually had those assets the entire time. Oh, wow. And now some of them are being, and I'm like, wow, man. And, and cause I have photographic evidence of all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, I had to go to court. I spent, I have a family. Yeah. I spent $30,000 defending myself. And I'm like, I had to explain to people, like, I was the one, it was my work. It was all, it was the entirety of, imagine if you worked on a movie, right? And you did, you everything you ever worked on passed through you. And there was only one copy of it. Mm. That's bad. That is bad. So what you <laughs> want to do is you want to take all of it over and copy it over and make copies of it because you never know when you're going to need it again. Yeah, right. And you, you know, and it was, I, I, it never occurred to me. I never thought I was like, as a post-production supervisor, usually you make things in triplicate. Like when you're making a movie, you, you have the stuff that you've worked on, but there are three sets of drives that you save everything to and they go to different places. 
so they can live there. Right. Yeah, I, I have two drives for that. I have two drives on my wall in vibration sleeves. Yeah. And uh, yeah. two, and, two and, of everything gets saved. One on my mind and one to each drive. I mean, I've been a post-supervisor since the early 90s. <laughs> And it's the, it's such a weird thing to be accused of things like, and you're like, <laughs> you know, I, I do. This is my living. Right. You know, it's a very, and it's it's a it's a crazy thing. So you just never know. You never know when people. So when I'm passing, when Terry Metalis is giving me money, <laughs> and there's photographic evidence of it, someone, someone will take that and go, "There's proof." Hey, He's taking a, it's, it is, it's proof. It's a bribe. Yeah. It's a bribe. And, and then you have to fight against it and go, really? You know, really? Like, like, do you really believe this? And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very, it's a very interesting place, but people really believe, well, people yeah, have people no believe it. I was paid off. Mm. Yep. I was, and, and the funny thing is, is studios, like I worked at Warner Brothers, mm. I worked in feature production. So when you work at a studio, studios have, it's an internal, uh, system where everybody's paying everybody else off i mean but like if if there's an internal expense you you pay another department in this within the studio everything is invoiced like like everything if you want to get a six pack of diet coke in your in your you have to account for that it's gotta there's gotta be an there's an accounting for every uh, each each division each group is its own profit center yeah yes that's exactly right so there is no shill division no. everyone everyone's For like sh- well who you, you reviewers are paid off really <laughs> like like there you a studio cannot there's no there's no there's no underground money vault mm. everything is borrowed when they make a tv show or a movie they're borrowing money they have a line of credit that they're using to pay for everything Advancing and nobody gets earnings. this Yes, hundred percent. And like this idea that there's where's that shill fund? <laughs> for thirty four years, I've worked in the entertainment business. Paul, where is the it's, shill it's, fund? You're a network executive. Where does the network keep the the magical safe? Where if they're going to grease the wheels, it's, uh, loot boxes. They, where do I get that? Loot boxes. That's what it is. Yeah, it's loot boxes. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't we think of that twenty years ago? I want a loot box. Just kind of unbox it. Get all that shill money but, out of it. Yeah, you need, I, you I need mean, the show I, money. And here's the thing. I'll take it. <laughs> I want to be a shoe. Please, please pay me money. I will take your cash. Yeah. You know, you don't you don't have to like, I'll take it. I'll do the work. I spend, I work 24-7 anyway. I will bust my ass for you. Please pay me. I Gosh, I, I mean, it. how much shilling have I done for Picard season three? You know why I've done it? Because I love it. Right. But if I could Amen. get money... I'd shill even more. <laughs> Might as well, you me. love it. I, I love Star Trek Picard season three. It, like I said, it put the Katra back into my life. Oh, yes. That's I, good. That's what it did. I, I, I like telling <laughs> people that I have integrity and it's available for sale. That's yeah, goddamn right. <laughs> but everybody thinks, here's a, you're a paid shill. Please, I want to be. Where do I sign up? And on that note, we want to thank Paul. I know you got to go. I got to go. For coming on the show. I know it's late over there for you. And I know we got Mexican Iron Man. You got to dip out here in a second. But thank you guys. I do too. My much. dogs have to be. I, I want you to. Can Rob. you post that link? That's a that's a balloon that floated above Canada that we had to shot, oh, shoot down. Yeah, did you get that link? Oh, no, let me let me put it up. Yeah, one. Put second. it up. We had to shoot this one down. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Had, like, let this me show that real fun quick. Surprise! I can feel it. Oh yeah, it's very good. It's uh, you know, really 
hard level heading journalism there, Paul. Yeah, it was a, it was squirming. It's, <laughs> yet to be shot down. It's still it's still at large. <laughs> the thing is, wow. it, this is like a wing, you know wingsuit, but I could wear this. What? I don't have to like no. jump off and have Instagram videos. I could just float to work. <laughs> No, 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 no. Anyway, yeah. I would like to though. If I could stay at like fifty feet and just like casually go down the four hundred five or something, it'd be yeah. awesome. That looks like a very expensive uh, gender reveal party. When there you go. <laughs> I want to know the motivation behind that thing. So um, drugs, drugs. Yeah. Well, the writing's on the wall. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for uh, having me. Uh, watch everybody's shows and and on 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 this uh, wonderful platform. Um, it's been really enjoyable and nice uh, finally meeting you, uh, Robert. And it was great to meet you. We should I, do a stream. I would love to do a stream and talk to you about about um, uh, how networks work. Sure, happy to. That would be that, and how that because your insight is well, great. Well, yeah, I, I love the golden era. I'm I'm really a big fan of golden era. I was involved with uh, being in a room, uh, putting. You know the shows up and what the other 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 uh, uh, networks were doing and counter programming and people yeah. have no idea they're going well why didn't you do that show well uh, it would have been up against another detective show so that's why we've got a, a girly show I mean the people have no idea but that was the most fun that was really you were the algorithm yeah. well the people <laughs> in the room were the algorithm Chateau AI Chateau AI anyways. Uh, yes, anytime, Robert. Uh, it would be an absolute pleasure. You're a silver tongue devil, and and this was uh, an enjoyable. Thanks for inviting me, everyone. What I do you got going on, Paul? Pardon me. What do you got coming up? Uh, I I might be doing a series on one of my favorite all time shows. is called The Sandbaggers. It's a British show. Mm -hmm. I think it's up there with uh, The Prisoner, uh, Breaking Bad, Sopranos mm -hmm. is one of the greatest all time shows in the history of TV that nobody knows about. Which is why I'm going to do it. It's excellent. It's Call Me Chato. Get over there and subscribe to his channel and make sure uh, we get you back on Raw. Yeah, and get me money. up to 100,000 so I don't have to talk to you, please. Yeah, he's close. Yeah. Let's get, let's <laughs> get <him> this guy. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Bye. Bye, everyone. Later, Paul. Loving it. All right, Mexican Iron Man, you, uh, you got a heart out as well, buddy. What do you got going on coming up? Uh, tomorrow morning, Loki's Morning's a Mischief, 9 o'clock mm. Eastern. I do that morning show every Tuesday. And, of course, uh, Midnight's Edge, After Dark, and Midnight's Edge. Uh, yep. That's, yeah, well, uh, I got to tell you guys, if you guys don't know Mexican Iron tomorrow. Man, and everybody here knows him because he is the gypsy of the community. He supports everybody. He loves everybody. Dude, you're just the best, and we love you so much. Thank you yeah. for coming on the show. Oh, thank, thank, hey, thanks and for I, having me. Thanks for having me. He's also the greatest dinner companion. Yeah, for me, it was lunch. Have. But yeah, uh, you know what? And don't forget, Mike and I are going to be doing a DC uh, show on Sundays as soon as things quiet down a little bit. Nice. Yeah, thanks for having me. Huge fan of all your shows. Thanks to everybody in the chat. And uh, thanks for having me. And uh, I, I pride myself on trying to be the number one fan on YouTube uh, for, for so much of what you guys do. And I just want to thank you all. Because I, I interact with so many people that aren't necessarily YouTubers and, you know, people in the streams. And uh, it's a, it's warms my heart, the emails, the DMs that I get about the shows that all of you do. Uh, and, and I mean that to every single one of you on this. JP, uh, you don't know me very well, but I actually started with you at Orville. I just happened to become friends Please. with PJ. And I've been over at Orville Nation and have a oh, fine. I hardly I've ever do. Uh, I've, been watching, I've been watching you for well, years. Well, thank you very years. much. I hope I'm able to put some stuff so, out soon that... Uh, 
will make you happy. Thank you for all. And I mean this, every single one of you here, thank you, every single one of you for everything that you do for all of us fans of uh, all of these properties. And I'll see thank you guys you around. Mike. See you next week. Bye, buddy. By the way, I have okay, to go well, too. Um, I want to thank, thank you. Uh, JP, I have an a, uh, interview with um, <clears throat> the executive producer of, of the Orville and also the WGA president, uh, David Goodman, who's one of the he great guys good of all time. Dude. He's got some new stuff uh, out. Such a great dude. He, you know, he wrote a great Netflix film that's getting uh, mm-hmm. uh, accolades now, and he's great. I love that guy. And Brian, Shane, obviously, you are. are yes, we are. A feather. <laughs> that is true. And Matthew, good yes, to see you. Yes, it was really, really awesome sitting next and, to you watching uh, Star Trek. That was like that's one of my dreams because I've been following you since uh, <laughs> since John Snap. Dude, and how great was oh, that fantastic. presentation? I started watching you I when mean, John Snap, when John audience... Snap was on YouTube in 2017 easily, and then in 2022, I'm or 23, I'm sitting there next to you at a Star Trek premiere. Wild, bro. Dude, it was crazy. Oh, uh, with, with, with the, the entire, entire cast, cast of the yeah. Next yeah. Generation. Yeah, Wild. it was fantastic. He is Robert Meyer Burnett, and he is uh, he has the Burnett work. Which, by the way, I love that you're expanding your network, and you got all these great hosts coming on and doing new things. Yeah, and by the way, there's a big rebranding coming mm. April first. The entire everything everything is going Ooh. to be new. Everything changes. Well, make sure you guys yeah. get over there. New shows. We got a lot of crazy stuff. It's finally going to be a, a network, but oh, I'm going to change, change it. Oh, I love the Burnett work. That's going to be tough. Yeah. The Burnett work, it's it's but it, it's gonna be more mm. calling. Well, we can't wait to see what you do. We love watching you. We appreciate you being here. We hope you come back on Raw Rant uh, and do this again with us. Are you kidding? We we're gonna you and I we're, we between Popcast and my channel, yeah, we have to yeah, carry the torch for Picard season three. Trek, baby, that's what it's all about. Thank you so much, Robert. We appreciate you and have a wonderful uh, rest of your week. Live long and prosperous, survive and succeed, kapla. <laughs> Remember, only a fool fights in a burning <laughs> house. nice house. Only a fool fights in a burning house. I like that one. That's awesome. That's a Get great the hell outside and fight. I'm keeping that one. All right, Mister. Well, we've and we were down to four. Uh, so Matt. Uh, yeah, now that all the warm up break it down, brother. The, uh, take the now stage. It's the Fab Four. <laughs> yeah, the Fab Four. Yep. Yeah, we um, started on YouTube uh, around all the same time. If I remember I correctly, so. yeah, 2017 yeah. we started, right? I or did six- July 2015. Oh, oh my been god, around longer, yeah. yeah. Okay, a lot of trial and error. You win. <laughs> yeah, you were doing before you were doing Orville. What were you doing? Uh, well, I'm back to Egotastic Fun Time, but still a right. lot of Orville stuff. Dude, Egotastic but, is fun. Yeah, you know, like you know, when I got to go back to, to the thing that I yeah. created, right? Yeah, Egotastic Fun Time, but you know, I did talking the Orville. Because I wanted to pay tribute to, I owed the Orville production so much. I owe the whole crew over there so much for my YouTube journey. I was like, you know what? They've got a new season coming. I'm going to uh, tribute, do a whole tribute for the to the that was Orville. Genius. And I had to last, I had to make it last three years because all the COVID stuff happened. Right. I was like, oh no, I should have done this later. So I had to, <laughs> yeah, water you, for re- three years. you rebranded and then COVID it. You're like, <laughs> yeah, but now I'm branded back to Egotastic Fun Time and I have a whole new, uh, I've, I've kind of changed things up and I'm doing a lot of YouTube testing. Mm. Um, which is just whatever I make up in my head. I want to test you too. So right now I've been testing for the first quarter of, of 2023. I am uh, very focused for February as a test on doing more live shows, 
Mm. Uh, you know, community based. I owe the fans a lot too. Lots of shorts. Yeah, we noticed is, that. Yeah, that's been going very well. And nice. I just started it all as a test. Um, going very, very well. I highly recommend doing shorts. Your, yes. your face subscribers won't even know you're doing them because they won't get bothered because you uncheck, uncheck the publish. Yes. Thank you for that, by the way. We didn't know how that worked. We were, we were so afraid to even try it because we thought it was going to wreck our regular videos. I was too. And I said, you know what? I'm going to just go around through this whole um, description section when you upload a video and see if I can find anything to help out with that. There's a un, unpublish, but it mm. still goes out. And um, man, it is so good, you guys. Yeah, that's you the way to go. It doesn't mess with your channel. It doesn't and, mess with your channel yeah. anyway. Remember yeah. back in the day, we used to think going live would mess with your channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we still think that. But <laughs> yeah, I, I did a bunch of research on that, and I I, I know it does not hurt yeah. your channel. Everyone is telling us that's not true, and it doesn't hurt your channel. But we don't. We're so afraid to try it. <laughs> Just do even it. If, even if was, uh, Susan herself was like, "No, guys, trust me, the live is, is not." We don't believe you, Susan. <laughs> the one time we went live, we were getting like a hundred thousand views on a video consistently without fail. Yeah. And then live. And then it was like 10,000 views the next video. Like, oh, man. Well, apparently it's supposed to be every video is treated like a brand new video because it is brand new video. Uh, maybe, um, maybe we'll maybe we'll live stream from our main channel then one day. Try it out. It's been so long. I bet you you might have a huge reception. You might be right. Yeah. Awesome. I find, well, I find when I step back and come back, you get a huge reception, at least off the off the bat. You got to keep them entertained, though. That's yeah. it. You got to keep. You gotta I can't just go them. live and you start eating. You can. <laughs> it depends yeah, on what you're eating. Right? Don't eat soup on on, on a live show. It's every just, every time I see one of those video, those YouTubers who are have like millions of views and they're just eating like Del Taco. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I feel like I, we started the wrong channel because I can <laughs> yeah, do that every the day. Taco Bell channel. Yeah. Even though I like me a good Del Taco burger. <laughs> it's been years, but hey. Super Chat from Justin Vega. Thank you guys for bringing us all these cool videos and people you know. The insight that you give us is awesome. Can't freaking wait until Thursday. Yes. Ugh. So I, I missed the beginning of the stream. He did, did great. Yeah, he, he had right. some really thoughtful comments. He, he popped in at like the right moments. Yeah, he was. Yeah. You trained him well, man. Yeah, we didn't, um, we didn't, <laughs> it's so difficult sometimes to talk when Paul Chateau and Robert Ryan Burnett are in the same stream. <laughs> so I get that, but he found his moments. He did. Which, yeah. yeah. I know. I, I had to wait 30 minutes before I shut up. Long <laughs> we couldn't even find a break to get yeah. mad at. We're like, just come on. Let's go. <laughs> I'm like, who's once, hosting once this show? All, all the female viewers left with them. Right. That's true. Yeah. Well, they have the silver yes. foxes, so. <laughs> All right. Well, we got one more story coming up. Quick, Brian, eat something. Yeah, we got one more story before we, before we end it, and then we can. Uh... So, because I came in when you guys were talking about. Oh, did you want to say something about it? So it just made me want to see a third mm. Batman movie. Else, I was like, this looks. Terrible. Oh, tell us really? what you didn't like about it. Was I? I was not really? impressed. Wow. What is it? Yeah. I, we're on the other side of this for sure. Or at least I am. I know. I know. Like the best part of that trailer is when Keaton comes out and he's like, yeah, it's awesome. I'm Batman. <laughs> that was my favorite part. Yeah. And I, I, I was like, mm. I, I was literally, I was in a restaurant when that commercial played on the Super Bowl. 
And there was this dude behind me at a table and he looked up from his food and he was like, is that Michael <laughs> Keaton as Batman? And I was like, yeah. He's like, I thought that was a flash movie. And I was like, it is. He's like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on here? <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, pretty much the highlight of those, of that commercial was every time Batman was on screen. I mean, so, that moment, I just that want to moment with Batman Superman, uh, Supergirl, I said, sorry, when he goes, what are we going to do, Batman? He's like, just try not to die. Then he holds his, his hand down was actually pretty badass. My only criticism is really, because uh, Supergirl looks like Supergirl, except for I just don't understand why she doesn't have blonde hair. I feel like everything else is there. Why not just give her blonde hair? It makes Girls sense. change their hair color all the time. Well, you, you know what? That's what, true. <laughs> you know what's funny is like I, I watched that trailer and I remember the comic book where like it was Superman who was escaping right. from that yeah. government facility and, Cy- and Cyborg was there and all that stuff in the comic books. And I'm watching this. I'm like, it just feels like a bastard- bastardized version. The one thing that will redeem this movie for me, if they bother to do it, is if they explain Barry going back in time mm. to reach Bruce in Batman v Superman. Ooh. That one scene yeah. where he like pops out of nowhere and Bruce! he's like, he's like yeah. Bruce, Bruce. Yeah. Like if they can actually explain that and tie up that loose end, I will have respect for this movie. If not, I, I, hope, they, I, it's just yeah. I hope they do it because it was only it supposed to be explained in like a justice league two or something. Well, see, that's the thing is Snyder had planned to reveal that. And if you, if you watch the justice league, when he kind of ends it, where they're in that desolated future with Jared Leto's Joker and all that stuff, it all stems back from the fact that Superman is supposed to basically, they kill Lois Lane on accident, right? And right. and so Superman goes bad, right? right? It's basically the plot yes. to the yeah. Injustice movie. Why did I mean, Superman it's, just go around Earth but, a bunch they call of times it, they, the wrong way in reverse well, time? Well, she said, you said yeah, Lois exactly. the key, yeah. though, too, right? So it could have also been Lois the key for reviving yeah. him without him going crazy. I mean, they, they could do this thing at the end where he's like, I have one more quick thing to do real quick, where he just runs back, you know? I mean, they could. Yeah. Or maybe Lois is the key, is, is I the think key it's master, and they're kind of doing a Ghostbusters oh, universe. There we go. <laughs> you got to have all the universes together now in all these movies. Everything's I get, I get lost with all this stuff. Sometimes the the multiverse stuff kind of makes me go. Uh, it hurts my brain. You know, it's like almost too much. You know, yeah. I love the multiverse, multiverse stuff. I just don't like the overlapping where everyone gets yeah. a cameo. Mm. You want to talk about hurting your brain, though? Let's talk about Quantum Mania. Good. Oh, nice, bro. It was, was too, good, too, too good of a segue. I didn't try to steal yeah. from you, but it was just, it was too perfect. That was I want to see it because I love that first Ant-Man movie. The second one was a little bit more studio for, for me. Uh, I'm hoping, the, and I'm sure the third one's just going to be studio, Wacky. very corporate as well. <laughs> well, let me step Trying it up for you guys. Tie yeah, in yeah, every other movie. Get, get, wait, wait, but, but before you, you go forward, you misgendered <laughs> this movie. It's Ant-Man. Well, I have it here. Wasp. I have it's it. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so okay. my bad. All right. Let me so go read here. The Ant- with girl. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania opening this week, Marvel has kept the pilot of the movie under wraps for as long as it could. What we do know is that we'll be spending a lot of time in the quantum realm and meeting several of its tiny denizens, including the film's main, the main villain, Kang the Conqueror played by Jonathan Majors. Marvel is putting Kang front and center in a lot of the film's marketing, and Kevin Feige even refers to him as the the new iconic villain of the MCU like Loki and Thanos before him. 
With majors now calling for Robert Downey Jr. to return as Iron Man in Avengers 5 so he can face Kang the Conqueror, forget how we bring him back. Can the MCU pull out of the skid and do a 180 to get itself back on track to be the studio the fans once loved so much? What do you guys think? Well, I think in order to, I think they have to revamp everything. I think we played out that the whole 2009 to to end game and a little bit beyond. And I think it's time to, to start a whole new thing, get some new characters out there, some new storylines. Cause I've seen enough of it at this point when it's yeah. fun. It's fun. I mean, give me a hell of a lot more guardians of the galaxy. I'll take all you got. Um, right. But the story for, for quantum mania sounds like something that would have been really awesome for James Gunn to do. Yes. <laughs> It yeah, sounds like he, whatever it is, if it might, it might suck. Uh, it might be half and half. But I think if James Gunn had control of that, it would definitely be pretty damn decent. Yeah, if, if you got to be wild and crazy, that's the guy to do it. Um, yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like Endgame is sort of like, like, for me, the MCU sort of ended with Endgame, and instead of like yeah. restarting with something smaller, which Ant Man would have been perfect to do, they kept trying to like raise the stakes and like Celestials and whatever and yeah, they, it just it's it fell flat for me yeah they had like a 10-year build-up to infinity awards and endgame which was great because you have this huge build-up and you have a big giant adventure right uh, to pay off for that but then every movie after that was a new character being introduced or whatever was always trying to be a huge movie like like endgame I'm right like, no, you got to start over you got to go start up. over yeah and then, then you know, and that's why the first Ant Man was so good because it was a small story about yeah, about, got, about one guy. Yeah, I got really sick of all the crossovers. I'm like, how many movies do I have had to have seen to understand this one movie that they're coming out with? That's true. Yeah. So, so Matt, do you think that um, that Robert Downey Jr. can resuscitate uh, the MCU by coming back for a fifth Avengers movie? Uh, maybe I think that's a little bit far down the line. The thing that interests me and, and I'm not as down on Marvel movies as most people are. Like a lot of people echo Brian's sentiment of like, Oh, it, it died after in game. Like that was the last of chapter and everything else has been crap and they're not wrong. Um, but I've enjoyed all the Marvel fare, like in the movie front in terms of TV front, it's different. But if you look at what happened after Endgame, so like Marvel had to shift gears. They they had to start including TV shows. And before that, you had maybe like two or three Marvel releases a year. And so it was easy to keep track of like, you know, what the movies had to communicate in order to build up to the big crossover. But when you start throwing in like, you know, four or five TV seasons uh, into that mix, uh, it, it starts mm. getting a little bit more complicated, especially because they're doing different things. You got a bunch of different creators coming in. Um, and I think that Marvel's come out and admitted that COVID threw them for such a loop. Like they really had to re-edit a lot of their TV shows in order to, you know, like Falcon Winter Soldier famously had a whole virus subplot that had to be re recut out of that show. And it made it make even less sense when you watched it. Um, and WandaVision was supposed to come like second in, in the, the TV release schedule and with like the Eternals and, uh, and multiverse of madness and all this other stuff, um, basically they were scrambling to, to try to figure out like how to kick off the next phase because COVID just wrecked everything right. in terms of their release schedule and stuff like that. So what they basically come out and said is that, okay, uh, everything from the end of Endgame to now, 
the the Ant-Man, the third Ant-Man movie was just kind of like its own thing. And we're going to kind of ignore it. And we're going to move forward from here on out with a more focused vision of how we're going to pursue the next phase of the Marvel universe. And as one of the few people who actually really liked the Loki TV show, and that's kind of where they introduced, you know, the concept of the multiverse and King the Conqueror and all this other stuff. Um, I'm really excited for this third Ant-Man movie. I didn't think the second Ant-Man movie was very good. I thought the first one was good. Um, but this one actually feels like a, a big epic, like, like this is the quantum realm uh, part of the MCU and it's going to kick off something that affects everything else in the MCU with Kang the Conqueror. And so I'm looking forward to see them introduce this like huge villain. Uh, it's going to lead into like the Fantastic Four stuff, the Secret War stuff, like all, all this, all these plans that they have going. It all starts with this movie. And, you know, Ant-Man's kind of a joke of a character. Uh, so like, I like seeing how they're positioning him to be like, you know, this almost like tragic figure. Like I, I kind of feel like they're mm -hmm. going to kill him off in this movie. Uh, j j just to make Kang, just right. to elevate Kang, you know, and his his daughter and the Wasp and and you know the original Ant Man, Michelle Pfeiffer and stuff like that, are going to you know kind of like have to carry the torch um, for him. So like I, I do think that there's that Marvel's going to turn a corner with this film, and going forward we're we're going to start seeing a little bit tighter of storytelling because I think that they're starting to get the message that like injecting the woke politics and stuff like that into their movies is kind of like a losing proposition. Um, so we'll see, but I'm actually, I'm very excited for, for this movie. I want to yeah. see like how okay. it All right. Well, that's, that's cool. JP, what do you think? I definitely want to see, I love the Ant-Man character mostly because Paul Rudd, that's mm -hmm. my dude, man. He mm -hmm. can play a character like that. Mm -hmm. I, I, I do worry that it might be too big of a movie. I'm getting a little sick of that, but if they do it well, always ready to give kudos to when something is done well and not really judge it until I see it. Uh, I just worry about it. But as I've told other people over the years that worry about this show or that show, what they're going to do, I'm like, we got to wait. Yeah. We can't, we can't put our word, our fears uh, into uh, what could happen. We don't know what could happen yet. Right. So here's the big question for you guys. Evangeline Lilly, short hair or long hair? Go. Oh, long hair. 100%. <laughs> what the oh, heck? You cut I, her liked her, I liked her hair both ways. Did you? Did you like it both ways? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a shock for me in the Great. second anime movie. I'm like, wait, what? What just happened? Uh, the woman looks different now. They're trying to make her look like a little boy. I didn't like it. I it's want her cool. long hair. I don't like. She'll her. always like be her Kate to me from Lost. <laughs> I like and her. She was like, damn it, Kate! Can't you just stay out of this now? They found us. <laughs> <laughs> they found us. Yeah, that's right. You're right. Good she point. was always messing up someone's plans. Yeah, I used to, I used to think uh, I always preferred long hair. Then I saw this new Supergirl, a uh, Supergirl in in Flash. I'm like, oh, I think I like your hair too. I don't know. Have you seen her, that actress with long hair? She looks. I, know, she, I think she looked great. Like everyone complaining about the blonde hair thing. For me, I was like, I get it. That she that be might be nice, but she Brian, that's the next poll. Long hair, any, short hair. That's yeah. The next is there any word whether or not? Is there any word whether or not that actress is going to continue on as Supergirl and Gunn's uh, plans? Or is uh, she I mean, might just she's probably just some alternate version. She might not even be the Kara that we know. She might be the Clark Kent of that universe because they kind of referred to that in the trailer a little bit. Well, in the universe, uh, because of his time shenanigans, Clark is killed as a baby, and Kara uh, 
is trapped with by the government. That's pretty what much the story. Super baby gets killed right off the bat. Yeah. And 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 is it and does that technically happen in the Burton verse? And that's why like Batman's the only like yeah. So like that's that's why that happens. Yeah. So that happens that in the world. Burton verse, which is why there's no um because you need in order to have meta heroes, you needed like the Kryptonite, right? Mm. So they didn't, they didn't get the Kryptonite storm because the baby never made it to Earth. So there's no meta heroes. Well, doesn't he have a vision for Kara, though, that's different than what they've done in this movie? Because he, he put it out when he put out his Bible that she was going to be, you know, yeah. torrid or she was, you know, going to be stuck. So, well, it was it was, it was yeah. based so on if they do it, it'd be nice if they use the same person. I don't see why they wouldn't mm. unless she's horrible, which I don't think she is. I think she's great. I mean, they didn't use Cavill. Are they just going to like recast Superman? That's a great question, man. Like, so, so James James Gunn did do make changes, like small changes to this movie to sort of fit his universe, according to what he said. Um, I'm assuming that he's not lying, which means that like some of those small changes could could have been some editing and not just some cutting. And if that's the case, uh, the original end credit scene was going to have that they had that they shot with Superman was going to have um, the inclusion of uh, Henry Cavill's Superman back after they fixed time. And he was going to land next to Kara or whatever. And Barry was going to be like, Oh, and make like an ex- you know, some explanation. And that was going to be like the end credit scene. Well, they're, they're not doing that anymore. So I suppose uh, whatever he changes could fit into his new younger version of Superman starting on the daily planet. I don't know. It can make it can make sense though as to why there's well, no he actor did, doing it. Like it is a soft reboot. He did say that this movie was meant to. Um, sorry about that. Uh, he did say that this movie was meant to reboot the DCEU. So like I'm guessing that there's going to be some type of like slate cleaner at the end of this film that gives him you know kind of like the freedom I, to start planning out his. I don't know that because I think all the other characters have kind of gotten stale at this point. And plus, yeah. none of them are my original, any of those. <laughs> I'm older. They're all my third or fourth version right. to playing those characters. I, I'm I'm all about the booster goal. That's going to be awesome. I've been a I, I'm just, I'm just pit, like I'm pissed that it decades. wasn't sooner because Nathan Fillion would have done. I was just going to say that. Yep. <laughs> There's a lot of things I'm pissed off that I'm, I think uh, Nathan Fillion would have been awesome. They came yes. out with, with the Uncharted movie. I'm like, damn it, Nathan's. Uh, Fillion's too old to play Nathan Drake. Did you see that that short that he made where he played the uh, Nathan? Yeah, Drake? I've seen that. That was awesome. Yeah. I think it might have been better than the movie. He, I'm yeah. it. He would have been perfect. Yeah. Uh, well, this has been fun, guys. Uh, it's our first raw rant, and we got our last four people here. Um, hopefully, we'll get to do this every Monday, and uh, we'll get you guys back hopefully on the show. And um, Matt, tell us what you guys are working on coming up because uh, I don't think. Alex knew exactly what was coming a little bit, but you, you probably have your thumb on it. <laughs> well, I've, I've stepped away from the editing duties to handle uh, the opening mm-hmm. of our new studio, which means Alex is now the one who has to edit the films and he's been, Uh-oh. he's been falling behind on that. So of course he doesn't know what's coming out next. Um, I, I think on the agenda is this Indian film Brahmastra. Yes. He mentioned that, that one, we reviewed. Yeah. So it's either that or the menu. The menu was great. Oh, yeah, I would like love that. to watch the menu. I watch that, yeah, just a, Damn, that was good. Yeah, it, it, it just depends on whatever he, he gets done mm-hmm. first. But um, so like we're breaking down our old studio right now and we're moving to the new studio officially tomorrow. 
And uh, then we got to start getting that set up. So we're hoping to have everything kind of like ready to go by the end of February. But it's so much time, effort and money. Like, you know, I just had to buy more lighting mm. equipment today. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's it's eating up all of my free time. But uh, yeah, so uh, once we get moved to the new studio, we'll start recording from there. And we've got uh, three new episodes in the pipeline. Those come out on Fridays and then every Saturday with uh, Brian. Uh, we do Salty Saturday Mornings uh, with a rotating group of guests. Uh, this week, we have two special guests Ooh. who are going to be on the show with us. Uh, the first is Ooh. Cody Leach, who is a big-time uh, movie YouTuber, specializes cool. in the horror genre. And uh, also, we've got an Ooh. astrophysicist named Dr. Thomas Target, who's been on our show previously, but he really wanted to talk about oh. Star Trek Picard. So, uh, so we're going to be uh, reviewing the first episode of Star Trek Picard on Saturday, and uh, we'll see if uh, if Brian's been BSing us about how good this thing is. Gosh, this Saturday is going to be so hard on me. You don't even know. You know, because <laughs> Vader Vader's going to come to his house and kick his ass. It can be the it can lying. truly be the greatest Trek since Voyager, which is what I believe. But there's still going to be people that won't buy off on it. And I, I, I've they been six months. Yeah, they've already decided. They just they decided before they saw a trailer. Well, here's so. what's hard too: is you really need the first two episodes. I think before you're totally locked in. Like you're going to watch the first episode and go, "Well, this is good," you know. But you're going to say, "Okay," but the second episode. Here, the here's end, the yeah. thing, Shane. Here, here's the thing: all the first two seasons of Picard had great well, true, first but, two episodes, and then wow. fell off a cliff. They honey but we were with you twice. when it fell off the cliff. And we said, yeah, you're right. That's bad. Right. But this time we went all the way through all 10, brother. So let me tell you, at the end of two, you're going to be yeah, like. But it, it's got a hill to climb, man. It's got a hill to climb because those first two they seasons were bad. Were yeah. bad. Like, 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 like fan killing bad. Like fans made the conscious decision to start not liking yeah, Star Trek. I don't blame because of those. Yeah, two we're aware. Until, until we saw this one, we were in the same boat. So listen, we can talk about all this after Thursday because I know you guys are going to be watching it and, and I'll be looking forward to hearing what you guys think. Hit up that super chat. Right? Well, well, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to Grace Randolph's expose about how you all oh, yeah. money. Uh, yeah. Ter- yeah, she knows she's always right. She 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 she's yeah, got inside sure. inside sources. sources yeah. yeah, every time she says, "I have my inside sources," tell me. I'm like, "Yeah, she's lying." Uh, <laughs> um, Rebecca Spade just subbed to JP and Salty Nerd. Thanks for being here. Thank you, awesome. Rebecca. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, Rebecca. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Speaking of Grace Randolph, that's a whole other topic. Goodness gracious. We'll have to pick up one of those. <laughs> Just hey, hey, have, have you noticed Grace Randolph and? It's uh, right. Yeah. Good yeah. point. Never in the same room together. Yeah. Just saying. Every time she's Just accidentally saying. right, I'm like, damn it! It's gonna feed. It's gonna feed it every time. It's gonna feed the the ego. Imagine if she's she's on like one side of the argument, Doomcock's on the other. That's that'd be genius. I. That's amazing, <laughs> JP. What do you got going on your channel coming up? Oh well, I got. Four deeper ideas I'm trying to plan out right now as far as videos go. Kind of going with your your guys' uh, documentary-style format. Um, but you know, I always try to have a huge variety of format. A uh, bunch of live shows, some you know, regular videos of me just tr- talking. Sometimes I do the sketches. Um, a lot of shorts right now, like I said. Um, but I do have some bigger ideas. I'm trying to figure out how to get them. Uh, 
outlined correctly and then I want to write them and I don't want my dumb face to be in the videos. I don't Whoa. always want to have my face in the videos. Your and face um, so the, the thing, one that I'm working on right now, I've been doing a lot of research is uh, fan toxicity, which mm. of course we talk about, but I'm going into where's it coming from? So what I've been finding is some of it is Hollywood's fault. Some of it is uh, character, uh, a person's character's fault. And then some of it is biology. Mm. And that's the part that is really interesting me. So I'm going into the development of the human brain Ooh. and where that stuff is found. I got a thumbnail for you. What's that? Your mom made you hate Star Trek. Your Ooh. mom. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Your Some, mom. <laughs> yeah, well, I won't give away the research that I found. I'll put it in the video. But uh, okay, that'll be yeah. cool. We look forward to it. You know, JP. One thing I'd love to hmm. see you do some videos on is this show on Netflix called. Lock I've been meaning Link. to check that out. That just came it's, out, it, didn't it? It's really, really good. It's from Joe Cornish, who did this movie called Attack the Block. Um, it's based off of a series of young adult novels. It's kind of like. It, it's almost like a spiritual successor mm, to Ghostbusters. Very well. Um, and it, it's it's a fantastic, really fun show. It's almost like Scooby-Doo. Oh, I've been big fans of both um, within so, my, and, my, my own personal timeline. Yeah. And I, I would love to see. I've been meaning to that check show. that out. Every time I think it's on Netflix, I think you said as well, but I think I always see it there. Mm -hmm. I think so. Um, it's always there. And I always look at it. I'm like, what is that? Should I Should I check that out? Should I play it? I, I was skeptical at first too, but once I started watching it, I was hooked. Like it, it's a Next, really I'll check good it show. out. Actually, on my list, of course, I'll check it out. Good. Well, we look we'll forward to seeing it. it. As far as us, we've got some interesting stuff coming up. Uh, hopefully, tomorrow we'll be interviewing Terry Metalis for something special, and then uh, we've got our other video, right, Brian? Our mic drop video is coming out tomorrow, right? Yeah. Um. You know why he's asking? Uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. I, I, I gotta say this. You know why Shane is asking me? Yeah, the, the mic drop video is coming out tomorrow, right? Right, Brian? Right? That's, that's, yeah. Because, because he gave me the audio and the script and everything for it, like, yesterday, basically. Um, I couldn't even start working on it until yesterday. Well, no, the night before yesterday. Hold up. The night before yesterday. Right, but you don't sleep been, at night. So yeah, but like I still have to sleep a little bit, Shane. A little bit. Okay? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a superhuman. So, yeah, I worked on it you a are. little bit. Then I went to sleep. And then the, the Super Bowl party, I had like 25 people at my house, um, all there to watch commercials because no one cares about sports. And then finally I got to work on it last night, and I finished the audio portion of it. But I still have to finish the editing, which I've been doing it today, but then we had our show. So it's a 30-minute so video. I should, I you understand? <laughs> I have to get this done by morning. <laughs> it takes about an hour for every minute of editing. At, I don't at know some point – the mic drop video will come out. I'm sorry, Brian. We need to give you a pill. Just we're good. Damn it. When, it. when it gets out, it gets out. But we have the review of the first episode of Star Trek Card Season 3 coming out Thursday morning. So I don't know how we're going to get both of those things done. But we will. <laughs> and uh, and we got a lot of great stuff coming up. So thank you guys for all coming tonight. We appreciate you. Um, and uh, just, you know, I hope you guys have a great week. Hope you look forward to what's coming. And uh, anybody else have anything else before we go? Oh, yeah. So... We will be back for our live show on Thursday. Oh, that that too. The yeah, others. So we have we have the review that will come out on Thursday on our Prime channel for the first episode, along with hopefully uh, Terry Metalis. Um, you know, we'll see how that goes. And then 
Then, oh. that, then the live show later on that day. And then yeah, we also have Todd Stashwick, of course, the Captain Liam uh, Shaw of the Titan. And that interview's already in the can, so that's guaranteed. Too, so. yeah. Just come back, stick around, you know, like, subscribe, hit the buttons, come back and see us. All the buttons. And Brian gave me it. a great idea for a disaster movie where the world gets really, really dark, and it's called The Night Before Yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> See, these are the videos we want to see you do. Keep doing yeah. these. Yeah. Okay. You need help All with right. that. I'll help you. I want to see that. All uh, right, guys. I appreciate you guys. We'll get you on Thursday or tomorrow, whatever.